0: The views and opinions expressed on Red Planet are those of the individual and do not necessarily reflect those of Red Planet nor any affiliated or related entities. This podcast is provided for educational purposes only. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome to Red Planet. This week we're gearing up for summer with a conversation about what we can expect in a world where every year gets hotter than the last. Also, Palestinian families are set to lose food assistance, Target kowtows to right-wing pressure, and the worst war criminal you know just turned 100 years old. But first, a bit of fun about our favorite fail-sons. Who's your favorite fail-son?
1: I don't know actually. Wyatt Coke might be one of them because he's so like obvious, you know.
0: Yeah.
1: I'm sure there's there's better examples, but like he's just so cartoonishly a fail son mm. that I really enjoy it. It's yeah. it's like charmingly a fail son.
0: For me, it might be it might be DJTJ, um, Donald Trump Jr. Oh right. I just like calling him DJTJ because you know Donald Tr- Donald John Trump Jr. Wait, did you did you hear that story about when Trump tried to call up? Uh, someone, and his fake name was like John Barron, which is like that's his middle name <laughs> and his son's name. And it's, like, Amazing. He's not a smart guy. Like the
2: um, it's like when someone has to like when you have to invent a fake band name to impress
0: someone, <laughs> and you're just like, oh, John Barron.
2: <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. I I think my I think my favorite fail son is probably DJ TJ. Uh, I like calling yeah. him that. He's got he's got the rhythm. He was I, just I think a
2: DJ Mule. Yeah.
0: It was when I, <laughs> it was the I think it was the first time someone called him uh, a chinless wonder. I was like, oh, he might be he might be my fave. Yeah. You know what?
1: My favorite fail son success what's is uh, Tom Hanks's uh, kid. Oh, his name? shit, Hayes. Yeah he's like, he's a fail son, but he he is so fail that he's like winning.
0: (laughs) Wait, Chet Hanks? Didn't he accidentally participate in White Boy Summer though? Like really kick off White Boy Summer? Oh yeah, no, he totally did.
1: I think he created White Boy Summer.
2: He's just like this kind of like dude that like bumbles into everything. And then all of a sudden he looks around and he's like, wait a minute, these guys are Nazis. Um...
0: (laughs) Why do all these Nazis keep supporting my
1: my (laughs) shows and everything? Um... (laughs)
2: Um, <laughs> Atlanta as well. Basically, like yeah. playing a uh, kind of a version of himself, which I think was like quite funny. And I wonder how self aware he was about that. But um, yeah, my um, my favorite fail son is probably uh, is one of the one of the children on Succession, which you know, like, you, n- is not a real fail son, obviously. But um, is this like super loser, kind of like Wyatt Coke, but like. Mm. I mean, like more like a mix between him and um and DJ TJ actually, which is perfect. But um, you know, has like potential presidential aspirations and is just like very useless. But like has never actually had a job, but believes that that could be the job for him. And um, yeah, very amazing how everyone just kind of like humors him constantly, but is kind of laughing at him behind his back. It's it's pretty great. <laughs>
1: Awesome.
0: I feel like it's important to remember that all uh, all rich guys with any kind of hereditary wealth are fundamentally fail sons. Like we shouldn't think of Trump senior as the as as the the success story. There, he's uh like fallen <laughs> fallen upwards through all the worst. There's there's probably something to look at in like fail sons igniting fascist shit, right? Like, it, yeah, yeah. like chet chet hanks accidentally starting white boy summer if it's um marx's uh description of ideal ideology they don't know what they're doing but they're doing it nonetheless right yeah, yeah. Uh, i mean chet, if, there, there he is Lee, accidentally inspiring like white boy summer yeah being like, a neo-nazi
2: thing i feel like a lot of the children of um well you know like for some ones that we're more familiar with a lot of the children of like um kind of more reactionary billionaires or whatever there's like mm-hmm. always like the one that comes out that has like kind of like a liberal kind of slant or whatever. And it's like, usually they're not like, not progressive at all, but because they're not totally ghouls, people are like, Oh, they're, they're the good one or whatever. And then oh, that's you know, what they're I mean, actually, oh, they're God. actually still terrible. Um, but yeah. Uh, <laughs> Connor Roy and a succession is the, the, the epitome of that. He's like the, the hippie libertine kind of one, but is like just totally, as evil and as fascist as anyone, perhaps more so than any of them. But, um, you know, just kind of like is the, the chill one, the
0: fun one, you know, I, I've probably mentioned what I can't say about Bill Gates, family on stream before, but I can't, I couldn't possibly say if I knew anyone who knew them. And I definitely couldn't say if they, are. Uh... They had a bad relationship with Bill Gates's kids because they beat them in a horse race once when they were younger, and they held a grudge for many, many years. And uh, if I if I did know that person, it would probably be bad idea to to say that they said that Melinda Gates was the only normal person in the entire family. Wow, amazing! <laughs> Those horse horse grudges. <laughs> there's one that will come back to you. Um welcome to Red Planet everyone. Uh it's this is the show we're doing. It's a weekly call me roundtable where we chat about how to make the world a more based place to live in. Uh speaking of based, Kira, you're pretty based. What's the most based thing you did this week?
1: Uh well, this week was kind of a smattering of semi-based things, but nothing in particular was extremely based. Um I did have my friend Aranok on my stream this week and we discussed like casual ableism in language and like how frustrating it is to have conversations with people on the left about ableism because it's still a it's still an area that tends to uh, I see people on the left being still quite reactionary about it and also co- being confronted ab- about it. So that was really nice to be able to connect with her on that and um have that conversation. But um also, my community and I are going through the Fast and the Furious cinematic universe. And so uh, we're doing that. And I feel like that's benefiting my is mental that just
0: health. The, is that just the series or is there more? I, I've never seen no, any of this, them. So. It's
1: this. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. They're great. Um, I clearly, they're, I got
0: to get in on this watch party.
1: Oh, yeah. No, they're like, if you like fast cars and like, like. <laughs> people super, being furious. People being so yeah. mad, seething. Yeah. Um. Oh, damn.
0: Okay. <laughs>
2: <laughs> it's
1: been Amazing. really it's been really fun it's it's been a, it's been a you good you should time.
2: um follow it up with the what my personal favorite from the fast and furious cinematic universe which is actually not a not a part of the fast and furious cinematic universe but was um it was released as a potential well no a very like they wanted it to compete they made a movie called talk it's fast and furious but with motorbikes and it's like the perfect time capsule of the early 2000s oh my way, if, you, if you watched it at the time it would have been terrible but watching it now looking back in it it's fucking hilarious oh, there's awesome. like a scene where these like two women are having a knife fight and they're like jumping from motorbike back and forth and then one of them does like this big like skid and like turns around and she's like in front of this giant mountain dew billboard and it's like takes up the entire frame and it's just like it's <laughs> so perfect and every scene looks like a music video there's like a new metal soundtrack ice cube is
0: there um they all have like motorbike knife fight honestly like (laughs) hell yeah
2: they all have custom embroidered um like motorbike jumpsuits with like tribal dragons and stuff on them it's like it's very good
0: um so it's it's just like when you're watching the george romero zombie movies you really have to watch like the italian like zombie and zombie uh, 2 and like the you know the the all the spin-offs because like yeah yeah, what what is a Fast and Furious marathon without a we have Fast and Furious at home? Exactly. At <laughs> but yeah. it's um
2: the best part is that it's like full of digs against the Fast and Furious. Like there's that like, little kind of like little throwaway lines or like the intro is like, you know, like the red and yellow cars from the first Fast and Furious, they're like driving along and a kind of motorbike kind of like makes them spin out, and it's just like there's like a sign that comes up that says like bikes rule cars suck or some shit like that it's fucking hilarious oh it's my god like, like they were trying very hard it's um no it's it's if you're if you're riding the fast and furious wave then you definitely got to look at um what else was happening in the world um <laughs> at the time. But yeah no very yeah, base it. though
1: yeah but uh i want to know what my friend tim has been up to this week. What was the most space thing you've done this week, Tim?
2: I don't even know. I was thinking about it. I've just been like, I've been working so solidly lately. Even um, I like worked at this, I tattooed at this kind of like event thing that my friend put on yesterday and was like just all the way up to like midnight, just like working solidly. So I haven't had really any time to do anything outside of that. So um, I've done the opposite of based this week by mm. taking taking bad not taking care of myself and overworking myself to death
1: so, you know what you could do oh, to, no. to fix that is uh, a fast and the furious cinematic universe start <laughs> Maybe, tonight perhaps yeah.
2: Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah that might be enough
1: that's your prescription i'm mm. writing you a prescription
2: what is it it's the 10th one is coming out now but the 10th one you... which is going to be a trilogy i'm like
1: so like oh apparently god. the the order in which the release is not the order that they're like that the story unfolds chronologically oh so they kind of do that that shit too mm. i don't know it's very complicated Amazing. it's far more intricate than people like <laughs> yeah, to give yeah. it credit for I'm,
2: i I feel like these are all like vin diesel ideas you know
1: god like, that um... man is so hot <laughs> oh. <laughs> i I love how he talked
2: in an interview how he he like because he helps write a lot of the movies now he didn't initially but i think he like kind of stepped in and he just um he he writes them in the same way that his friends would um come up with their ideas for dungeons and dragons which i don't know what he meant by that because you know apparently he is a huge DD player but i'm assuming that it's just like
1: oh my god is he a nerd
2: he is no he really well allegedly allegedly he is um, Unless
1: that's like some sort of, you know, like.
2: No, like I've seen, I've legit- legitimately thing. seen, I've legitimately seen other people like question his nerddom. Apparently he takes it very seriously, but. um,
1: God, that man is so attractive. Oh
2: yeah. Like I'd be, I'm guessing he just like sits around and he like has a bunch of, bunch of tables and he rolls some dice and he's like, damn, the cars are going to space now, you know?
1: So yeah. <laughs> that's know. how we
0: got. So, so That's like, how Elon was... Musk makes biz- uh, business decisions as well, I guess. Oh, yeah, uh, I know, right.
1: I heard some I read something, I don't know if it's even true, about something about like how he's going to turn off Twitter for like Europe. I don't know. Oh, incredible. Is- Finally is even- okay. okay. Sorry, that's not Fisher. this isn't news. This is me just like completely bullshitting. I saw a tweet Probably when I was like, no, please, Elon, pull shit. the plug, and I just kept scrolling. You. You. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Keep... <laughs> yeah, the people on oh, were no. like, "Thank you, God, thank you, Jesus, just end it, <laughs> just."
0: End it. Oh no, Twitter! Oh, what will I do without Twitter? <laughs> shit! Uh-oh. It's all right. I'm already on Blue Sky. I am. I'm really enjoying the idea of um the idea of Elon getting up every morning, knowing like Jack Dorsey is right in his rearview mirror, gaining every day. <laughs> <laughs>
1: I need more dopamine than Blue Sky can give me, though. It's so, like, low in dopamine. It'll get
0: better, though. It's just a beta at the moment.
1: Yeah, Just yeah. like Jack
0: Dorsey. But soon it will be... <laughs> no, wait. No, hang on. Hang on. <laughs> Software development goes the other way. You do the alpha first. So oh, yeah. soon it'll be a delta, and then he will become an alpha, oh, wow. and Elon will be the beta. Mm. Mm.
1: This, is, this is very complicated. It's a lot too much math for this episode already.
0: <laughs> but yeah, what was the most base thing you did this week? So gay sex is how I introduce uh, a segment where I'm I'm not talking about um a base thing I did, but just like my life updates and things that make me happy. Um
1: Gay sex I mean, is pretty base.
0: Yeah, I mean that's that's why I introduced the segment like that. Yeah, I mean I i was just telling you before I, I had a picnic picnic in the park with my friends yesterday to celebrate one of my friends' birthdays. Uh I've been like in the sunshine and hanging out with my friends a ton more. Um, I've been, I mean, I've been off the show for the last like two or three weeks. Um, mm-hmm. so like, it's kind of a, it's kind of a month long, like most based thing I did. Uh, I've last month has basically been, I've been working on my big project we've been working on for like two years and it's really nearly done. The world is not ending my anti duma thing. Uh, it, it's going to wind up long as hell. It's a huge project. It's been taking up so much brain space and I'm really looking forward to like my brain emptying out and me having not a single <laughs> thought in my mind. Um, which has been a lot of my month, actually, like just hanging out with friends, uh, kissing girls, uh, being in the sunshine, uh, yeah, just chilling. And then, uh, and, and yeah, a part of the reason my month's been like utter chaos is Nat's been away. In Armenia um, with our friend who was getting FFS with the same surgeon that I went to. Um, so it's been also kind of hard, but Nat's come back this last week and it's been delightful to have her back. So that's another thing that's maybe making me happy in my life right now. Um, and I've booked my next studio tattoo, uh, which is a tramp stamp mm. that says Pub- "Public Universal Girlfriend." So those <laughs> are a collection of nice things in my life, and I can call them based uh, for the necessity yeah. of the show. Um, <laughs> but what what the, what based things have our viewers been up to? Because we now have a segment mm. about a our viewers. Question.
1: We love our viewers and our audience. We turn the
0: lens around, and we look at the 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 listeners and the viewers and the creeps, and we say, "What are you doing?" um kara what's a what 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 base things a we, we have a base thing yeah
1: yeah so one of our uh base audience members robin uh told us um i make tips at work so every week or so i take a bunch of cash to the atm to deposit it today the machine rejected a couple 20s so i walked around and gave them to a couple of homeless people i met also i put an antifa sticker over someone's thin blue line bumper sticker
0: oh my god that must have Which, pissed them off so good. That's yeah, that's hilarious. That must have yeah, been yeah. um
1: by the way, um we we do not advocate for for sickering uh people's personal property. <laughs> um however, we are simply here to report on what other people are doing as uh, you know, the <laughs> political climate unfolds further. So Robin, yep. thank you for your submission.
2: I was gonna say I just imagine like, you know, like some dude coming back to his car with his like the blue line sticker or whatever and seeing the antifa over it and just being like, they're watching me, you know? Like, <laughs> just thinking that it's like, you know, it's like the Antifa like you yeah. know, like the, the the super network is
1: like yeah, has they do cameras like that. pointed
0: towards him, you know. Yeah, that's the thing. They do you have know? this like,
1: impression of Antifa like that?
0: Reddit slash um uh yeah, targeted individuals has a new member yeah, today. Yeah. Anti
2: for gang stalking.
0: Yeah, I wish. So we want to know what base things you've done, uh, unlike these illegal crimes. Uh, If people keep on sending us illegal crimes, we'll probably report on it because that's our job as journalists. But Mm. we want to hear what base things you're doing. Uh, You can message us on Twitter, Instagram, or TikTok and send an email to based at redplanetshow.com. Include your name and pronouns if you're cool with that. And we may shout it out on a later episode. Uh, In the meantime, we have some news. And I forgot that I was the first news. Well, I'm not the first news article, but I have the first news article. I've been the news before um, when the penis woman thing happened. Um, uh, So I want to clarify to everyone that we're actually talking about Target. Uh, Target stores dropped Pride merchandise in response to right-wing terror campaign. Uh, I don't know if people have been seeing this, but a lot of uh, far-right chuds have been just going into Target stores and smashing up Pride displays. Um, And yeah, Target have taken the the corporate cowardly shithead move uh, to just to just uh, capitulate to them and uh, to pull their stuff. So, um, retail chain Target has removed some Pride merchandise from stores after right wing commentators and their followers on social media attacked the company over support of LGB- LGBTQ queer people. Mm-hmm. Uh right wing ghouls made numerous false claims about the retailer, including what th- that they are selling tuck friendly bathing suits in children's sizes while videos of customers knocking down a pride display at a Target store went viral. Um Target, as far as I'm aware, like did do a a, a tuck-friendly thing, which is already like corporate eye rolling cringe. A lot of uh dolls would do not like appreciate that as a, a you know a way to draw in the transgenders, but some other people would. It's fine. Um uh, yeah. And then people started spreading, uh, yeah, this, this idea that it was, it, they were selling them in children's sizes and they were uh, among the products removed includes items from AppRel and a UK-based brand created by artist Eric Carnell, whose, whose Satan respects pronouns design was singled out despite not being carried by the chain, resulting in death threats and other abuse. In a statement Target claimed they were removing items that have been at the center of the most significant confrontational behavior, citing threats to employees. And I think that, yeah, uh, uh, the, the, safe, the safety of their workers is a, is a valid concern, yeah. but like it's also, they're leveraging it to uh, to say that they mm-hmm won't stand by this stuff where you know what they could easily do is uh tell their security that like they should immediately intervene like be wary and immediately intervene and kick out like right-wing dickheads who've shown to yeah. shown up to like smash up a rainbow display yeah
2: and especially how you know it's like it that they're, they're not saying like you know like they won't be like okay take this take this shit out and then we you know and then that's it then we'll be happy or whatever it's just for them it's like <laughs> We won, we got Target to take the stuff out, and it's like because these are the people that fundamentally just do not want to see anything that they think is like queer or whatever in public spaces, yeah. so it's like it's just going to shift to the next thing, right? Like it's going to be okay, now it's like you know pride themed merchandise at Target, but it's just going to be something else next, you know, and they're going to be like, Yeah, it was awesome last time we just, you know, last time we went and we tipped out bud light and then we went into target and we did this or whatever and it's just it's gonna be yeah. something else you know like there's absolutely no kind of appeasing people like
1: this what i want to know is can i go to a mr beast display and completely throw it to the ground and get that shit removed from all target stores
2: can we just go into a tesla dealership
0: and just start pissing
1: can we yeah. do that yeah, just start pissing I think all we over the can place.
0: actually. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, If you're if you're too powerful for this for the state to subdue anything is legal. So yeah, we just it. got to get real swole and then get real <laughs> hydrated.
1: Real pissy, yeah.
0: Get down to Tesla. Just piss real hard, you know.
1: I just think it's I think it's rich that Target with its like tons and tons and tons of money that invests towards yeah. like sur- surveillance security yeah. couldn't actually manage to prevent irate right wing assholes from doing what they want to do. But they managed to, like, you know, find ways to arrest people all the time.
0: Like, Tim's exactly right. Like, if you back down on this stuff, fascists are just like, this is great. This is a win for us. Of course. I think a lot of people are also caught by the idea that, like, because of right-wing media talking about Antifa terrorists, like, it's gonna be it's going to be a kind of it's going to be a kind of lose-lose situation where like if people show up to stop fascists in any way that like media will then report there are these terrifying black block thugs but like yeah, yeah. no fascists actually hate talking about when they take an l uh and yeah, and yeah. when they take an l they run away from it because they're a bunch of fucking cowards well yeah it's the thing i think being embarrassed is like
2: the you know one of their greatest kind of fears right you know it's like they don't care about being wrong or like being being mean or being you know whatever like that Mm i
1: mean that's why they try to dress up as like these little like nail uh you know like these like army larper types with our like super tactical this and that they're trying to desperately show up as like tough and unembarrassable unembarrassing people (laughs)
0: the performance of force is their whole thing and it's so cringe like they end up structuring all their organizing around like militaristic stuff as well um i don't know
2: i did find it weird did any of you see the um the boycott target rap song (laughs) there's a guy i heard
1: um, about the maga guy
2: oh it's this guy um jimmy levy he's like a kind of like rapper singer dude whatever like that and he's like he's deranged you know but I feel like it's like it's definitely like a marketing thing for him because he's like pushing this whole like this is the most censored song ever it's it's terrible but it's like the song about how like you know like Target are targeting your kids or whatever but um it's this really wild thing where he's like talking about like you know he's like rapping about like very Christian stuff and like all this kind of shit about you know like um you know Target represents Satan and all this kind of shit like that but then it's like which I think is also kind of weird because, like, if you make a rap song where you're saying that Target are uh, deliberately targeting children, they're satanic, they're you know, pedophiles and all this kind of shit like that. Surely that opens you up to like a whole bunch of legal stuff. But you know, that's just me. Just you know, like whatever. Anyway, um, but uh, this whole thing—it's like this crew of dudes, and they're all wearing like, you know, like obviously, like they're all wearing like super, like so many chains and everything like that. And it's like. His, you know he's wearing like a shirt that says like Las Vegas and there's like other dudes and it's just like this funny thing where it's like these people that are like just covering themselves and like just this huge amount of like wealth and everything yeah. and they're like you know and then they're in this like Target store talking about how like you know like this is evil like this around me like they're walking down toy aisles being like this is you
0: know like this is sin this is, this is disgusting this is satanic or whatever like that the people who's like nearest big store just is a target who like can't afford to go change and shop anywhere else they're just gonna be like you you guys are fucking assholes yeah,
2: yeah yeah exactly it's so wild and it's just like this is like so like so bizarre that this is like you know like this is um i guess like this is their version of christianity right like you know like these are the um yeah i don't know these are it's um anyway I, it's i mean maybe it's it strikes me as especially weird coming from like, you know, outside of America or whatever, the um, like American Christianity. And I know like, obviously not all of it's like this. This is just like a very, you know, specific brand of American Christianity, but it's just like, it's so wild to me watching this. Like, yeah, these, these dudes that are very much like, you know, like obviously like very, very wealthy. I don't know. Like, you know, and it's like you see other stuff and it's music is so like rapping about like, you know, performing violence and all this kind of shit like that and then he's like in the toy aisle in target talking about like this
0: is this is the evil right here you know um like i've obviously never actually been to america but like i I was on the um i was on a podcast with my friend uh with with tear actually who came onto the show uh very early episode um and like yeah we were chatting about um the christian identity movement and it's really bizarre to hear like to to read for me it's like i'm i'm reading and researching in anti-fascist capacity and learning about the stuff kind of academically and then like to chat about it with her and her friend and they're just both like well yeah we grew up in california and and neighboring states and like it's this this shit is everywhere and i'm like no i i read i read this in a book and it seemed like the most absolutely cuckoo bananas nonsense you could possibly imagine and you're saying that like Every normal church has a sign outside talking about the rapture. Come on, what? (laughs) It's why because that all of that stuff is
2: like very niche over here. Like that kind of Christianity is like there's definitely a presence of like the kind of I guess the mega churchy kind of stuff, but just no nowhere near on the same level, right? Like there's like this one that's really bad. I remember when um they're in lockdown. They put out a video that kind of went viral, and it was like the to dude talking about how important it was for people to continue tithing through the lockdowns. And he was like literally like sitting in front of his infinity pool, and it's just like whoa, like you are wild. But yeah, but it's it's not really the same. We don't have like the same um, links to um, mm. like I guess like a lot of the really kind of far right kind of stuff. Like there definitely is like a very um, right wing conservative christian movement over here but it's not um i it's nowhere near as pervasive as um as america has so it does it always just strikes me as it's so bizarre
1: i was in the south for a bit i lived there for like a second and um i remember being amazed that there were like there's like a a marketplace of churches so you can like drive down the street and there's like two churches on one side of the road like like another church on the other side of the road and they all like kind of like led billboards up like trying to advertise their churchiness and they're all kind of like competing for churchgoers Mm. it's something else it's ridiculous Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah it's it's
0: ridiculous tim do you want to tell us about the next news piece yeah so
2: uk prime minister rishi sunak discusses price caps for basic necessities So, um, yeah, I only just found out about this 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 morning. I hadn't heard about this, but um, this is actually something that people, uh, some people have been trying to push for over here as well. So, um, yeah, so basically the UK government is talking about introducing a cap to, um, so for things that are, you know, considered like basic food items or whatever, um, Mm. because the price has been going up so much on basics, like, yeah. they say food prices rose by 19.1% in um, the year to April. So that's the second highest rate in 45 years, they say. Um, So, you know, they're considering maybe some kind of like some limitation on the price of basic goods. Downing Street sources have stressed that there are no plans for a mandatory price cap. So, um, yeah, so that's interesting, you know, like whether it's like a suggested price for basic goods or what you know but um yeah uh yeah so yeah actually no I this for that. it's a voluntary a voluntary um so you get the supermarkets can voluntarily sign up to this agreement that would be like okay cool well you know like basic goods are going to be this price which i i guess would be like
0: you know like um i mean i think you know, it's a, sure. it's important to understand the the like in the uk we have um like five or six chains of of supermarkets that are really clearly class delineated and have such huge price gaps between them. Um because of the illusion that like the the upper class ones give some kind of better product when it's like, you know, it's a lot of, it's like, for example, milk from the exact same dairies, but if it's got like a Waitrose label on it, then it, sh- it must cost three times as much. So I think that like, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not um saying any of that in in the defense of um it not being a mandatory price cap, but I think that's probably their, their, their reasoning is that they need to allow Waitrose to carry on like selling to middle class people at five times the price so the middle class people feel like they're eating nicer bread
1: but is on the point of a price cap that it's like not an optional thing like yeah
2: yeah exactly the benefits sure, right. of a planned economy um so uh yeah so it's a little bit different down here because we have um uh duopoly so we only have two supermarket companies which both companies kind of own a couple different supermarkets so there's like maybe four or five different supermarket kind of brands but they're all actually the same two companies and they kind of just um they've been they've been to referred to as a cartel um fixing prices um engage, uh gouging prices during the lockdowns and stuff like uh which nice. yeah watching the price uh the price increases like the inflate well allegedly according to inflation uh but it's all being investigated at the moment it's it's but actually due it's to like, people wow. to judge yeah yeah so yeah the, for the kiwi, the, the kiwi PP to judge yeah yeah totally like it actually is and um so the, yeah they've been talking about something like well some people have been talking about something like this but i i honestly i think the best the best combat for this kind of thing i always think is an actual nationalized supermarket right you know like to force them to compete instead of being like, okay, you can opt into something like this. It's like, no, a nationalized one that sets the price and everyone else has to compete with them. Same with like, you know, gas stations, all that kind of stuff.
0: Um, and then you just nationalize everything. Yeah, it was something that Corbyn was talking about, a national food service. And it was like, yeah, this seems like a really obviously good thing to have. Yeah. We can't let Commie Corbin flush the Britain down the 70s tubes. There was a billboard put up by the brand Pimlico Plumbers. If anyone's ever looking for a plumber, I, I know I'm talking to our audience and they're like, we're probably not like homeowners as a group. But like, if you're ever looking for a plumber, uh, Pimlico Plumbers is like one of the largest um, uh, plumber orgs in the country. Yep. Um, and they're all Tory scum. So uh, yep. never hire one.
1: Also, if you're looking for a plumber, uh, which means you own a home, you should definitely become a patron.
0: Yes, extremely true.
1: Patreon.com. Please put off underscore replacing
0: planet. your boiler. It'll be really expensive and annoying. And all you get is like boring hot water or whatever. Uh, you get stickers with us and it's way yeah. cheaper.
1: And you're a good yeah. person. You're like yeah. a certified good person. So
0: yeah, it helps in some way. Yeah. It's kind of interesting in Sun- in the context of Sunak's politics because he has come in as a, uh, I've been saying this for a while, like a very naive neoliberal. Um, and it's always interesting to see how quickly neoliberals learn the lesson that like neoliberalism is a completely nonsense ideology and has nothing to do with like economic science um because basically like if a neoliberal comes in at a time when things are relatively good and stable they'll start doing all the free market bullshit as much as they possibly can if and then when they hit a crisis they're going to learn that like neoliberal economics have no answers for that like no answers whatsoever and then the two choices are more police or socialist policies and that those are the only two options then um and Su- i mean Sunak's been doing plenty of more police just to be clear but it's it's interesting to see that he's already like considering something like this yeah yeah well um so the um simon
2: roberts the boss of sainsbury's has um denied that his supermarket has been profiteering which is exactly what um yeah all well, the, the supermarkets down here that have been profiteering have said too um cool. co- coincidence you know like yeah. <laughs> you know like they just say like oh it's just you know we're just setting prices to keep in line with the market
0: and all this kind of stuff like that
1: small like, little but, beans Ooh. yeah my
0: brother in christ you control the market yeah <laughs> <laughs> there are two identical gods in front of the doors one always tells the truth and the other is a capitalist yeah 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 like and with us our duopoly is kind of like
2: you know it's kind of like uh it's, i mean it's 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 if they are working together as a cartel, which it has been alleged and there's good evidence to show that, then it's like, it's really just a monopoly. It's like, you control it all. But um, yeah. So with the inflation going up and stuff, obviously everything's getting more expensive for everyone. Um, And there was, uh, yeah. So what they uh, were saying here is that, um, the experts have warned that expensive food is set to overtake energy bills as the epicenter of the cost of living crisis. So, energy, like Yay. we've been talking about that, like energy, energy costs in so many places has been a real catalyst for um for big protests all that kind of stuff. And so many of the countries that we've you know we've done little uh you know like news pieces on in, on Red Planet in the past, but um yeah, it's kind of like this thing where you know, it's like all of these things together just add up to being, you know, it's like the the prices are increasing so much that it's like you're just like everything in general is getting way more expensive to the point where it's like, you know, like we've talked about this before, how inflation goes up, prices go up, everything like that, but wages don't go up, anything like that. It's like, you know, like it's even just to survive is getting far more expensive, but it's like, you know, through protesting through striking There's, these are like we can't you know it's very hard to uh to prove that uh you know like a supermarket is like fixing prices or is you know because you just go talk to them you go ask them what they did and they said no no we're not you know but um yeah you know like so the only way that people can really kind of do anything about this is through you know like through collective action through striking protesting you know getting uh even in their own industries getting for better wages and all this kind of stuff, or even just, you know, for the government to investigate things like protests like that. So it's kind of like that's, you know, that's why we see so many big protests. That's why, you know, we've covered so many in places where it's like, you know, it's, it's food prices, it's energy prices and everything. I know that seems like a really basic observation, but it's no, I like, think
0: it's really, really worthwhile.
2: Yeah. 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 That's I I kind of like just kind of spelling these things out in case there's anyone, it's kind of new to the stream or anything like that. No, I think
0: it's really important. Like, we got feedback from Nat's mom the other week that was like, I, they seem to be having a good time, but I don't understand a lot of it. <laughs>
1: oh, <my God. laughs>
0: Me too, Nat's mom.
1: <laughs> <laughs> That's adorable.
0: The one thing I'd say about this is, like, premise of the show is that as material conditions are worsening due to the knock-on effects of climate change, shit's going to kick off, capitalism is going, we're going to get something else hopefully communism. Um, And like, I would say that it's really important to take a a news article like this and say, when we say that material conditions part at the start, these are the material conditions. This is it. You know, you can't afford fuel. You can't afford food. You can't afford and your wages aren't increasing. That's like, that's, that's a margin which is going to squeeze to zero for a lot of people really rapidly um which you know might might tie into what we're talking about today who knows
2: yeah yeah and um yeah even like the fuel stuff um is interesting because so in a lot of the countries that we've um, seen big big kind of uprisings kick off recently it's the price of fuel also ties into the price of power because a lot of the power stations uh, run you know run on fuel and all this kind of stuff so it's kind of like this knock-on effect of when one gets more expensive it's you know it uh, makes the other more expensive which you know with power when they're you know, they're using this fuel to cut back on, it increases the scarcity, which drives up the price as well. And it kind of like has this exponential effect.
0: Yeah, I think I think it's worth saying, like, that exponential effect, though, Um, you you said food is gonna, like this one person said that food may overtake fuel as the epicenter of the cost of the living crisis. And I think it's really important to think of like direct and indirect um effects. Like, you know, if you have a um, what's it called the coefficient in maths right there's the there's uh when this quantity changes this one changes by this much right they have some kind of relationship to each other and it can be different than linear right but but my point is that if the price of food were only increasing because the price of fuel were increasing and that affects transport costs and, and and some growing costs, right? Then food couldn't overtake fuel as the epicenter, right? It has to be there are other things going on. And it's like the things that are going on can actually all be boiled down to two things, climate change and capitalism. Because capitalism and, and you know, you could boil those down to just capitalism, really. But like, but like, you know, um climate change's effect on on how we do agriculture can't be remedied with capitalism. It can only be made way, 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 way worse. So when you're talking about like this duopoly and stuff, it's it's exactly like that. When we're talking about um, having a price cap for basic necessities, but, you know, not for waitrose, it's like, that's that's capitalism, right? And it's, it's um, yeah, so it's just like um, food could only overtake fuel as the epicenter of the cost of the living crisis if there's also shit that's really fucked about food and it always comes back to capitalism.
2: Well, Kira, why don't you speaking of capitalism um tell us a little bit about Tesla, Tesla and what fun things they have been doing to make life hard
1: for You know our, our favorite our favorite special boy uh front of the show Elon Musk. Yeah, um I want to yeah, our special special boy uh has been doing some more silly things uh for instance tesla is now trying to cover all their employee complaints by encouraging their workers to discuss them only verbally
2: not in within range of any recording devices right, um, right, you know, right, right, not on it. the phone in, in personal alone. yeah
1: <laughs> <laughs> internal documents from tesla reveal thousands of customer complaints regarding the company's self-driving technology and how the company prioritize itself over the safety of its customers, which surprises literally no one in our audience right now. Um, 100 gigabytes of Tesla's files, representing over 20,000 documents, were provided to German newspaper Hanselblatt? Hanselblatt by a whistleblower. I don't know how to say that.
0: I've opened the notes and the word is Handelsblatt. There you go. Yeah, yeah, Thank yeah, you. That's what Thank I was you. Saying,
1: Thank yeah. you. Um, upon learning of the leak, Tesla threatened legal action against the paper, making accusations of data theft and demanded... Yeah deletion of the material. Um, within the documents are nearly 4000 complaints submitted between 2015 and 2022. Issues included sudden unexpected acceleration and braking. Yay. As well as failures with the system's crash detection functions. Um and then the documents also show how Tesla's customer service was told to communicate with customers regarding these issues. Technical notes relating to the complaints commonly included instructions not to share information with customers or, in some cases, to only do so verbally. And the customers that spoke with this newspaper, the German newspaper, Handelsblatt, uh, corroborated this, noting that the company rarely issued information in writing. Oh, our sweet special Mm. boys up to it again.
0: I'm just imagining having a having a complaint about the famously like famously shitty, dangerous and racist uh workplace at Tesla factories. And then my yeah. manager is like, hang on, hang on, hang on. The cars can record us. We have to go outside. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and then going yeah, into the yeah. car park and him being like, No, no, we need to keep going. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Another car park, not amazing. So
1: that, yeah, that's incredible that they're like they're so it's such a such an interesting uh I don't want to say it's an interesting company, but like because of the technology and because of how oppressive this company is, you have all these cus- all these uh, complaints being just not recorded in certain ways to maintain their, like, irrelevance, essentially. But then you also have the actual cars that do record all in the car and around the car to the point where uh, it was revealed that Tesla, like, has access to tons of footage of, like, its customers. Like, they said they saw footage of, like uh, – like you know like uh the tesla's uh the tesla uh like owners children or like they saw like footage of their owner like make like having sex with people like and all this footage is available to like the actual employees to just go through and they just do whatever they want with so you have that side of it and then you have the the other side which is like never record any of these complaints anywhere (laughs) yeah
2: yeah i've seen them um Use the footage as well in, um, you know, like insurance kind of cases and stuff where it's like, you know, with the self-driving thing where it's like, you have to, you're supposed to be, you're supposed to have your hands within like certain you know, places or whatever while it's driving so that you could instantly take over if it's gonna just hit a small child or something like that. Mm-hmm. And then um, you know, them using the video footage to be like, oh well, actually your your hands were just outside of the hand zone. <laughs> just like uh... dumb shit like that. So it's like you obviously have like, you know, you can like you have a great amount of data there that you can um you can go through.
0: It's like yeah, I mean like just having ac- them having access to that is like just wild you know self-driving self-sabotaging self self surveilling car
1: i just want to also say just quick quickly in case anyone's ever considering a tesla for whatever reason if any of you have disposable income like that first of all become a patron yeah Uh, (laughs) patreon.com slash Red underscore planet.
0: Tesla is a car as a service anyway. You could just give whatever money you would be paying them every month to us instead.
1: Right, right, right. Um, but also just know that the video used, this, this famous video used to show uh, Tesla's car's self-driving uh, capabilities it was actually pre-mapped. It was actually a pre-mapped route. And then they just showed the car driving a pre-mapped route. And then when it parallel parks, they had to shoot that over and over again, finally, until it got it right because it kept hitting all the other cars in the parking lot. <laughs> um, so just just know that before you make a decision.
2: One of my favorites was like a video that a dude uploaded himself of um how good his Tesla was
0: self driving through uh, a busy car park.
1: Did he do the thing where he keeps like apologizing while he's like, "Oh, that never happens. Oh, it's fine."
0: Guys who own Teslas are really used to the phrase "This never happens." Yeah. <laughs> So he was saying that um the only danger was
2: the other people, the other drivers. And so he's drive he's well, he's letting it drive around the car park and people keep going to pull out and almost getting him. There's like a kid that walks in front of it and stuff.
1: That dangerous child trying to cross the street.
2: No, but as he's leaving the car park, you can see that he's been driving around like the wrong way around the car park. Like the arrow thing is going the opposite <laughs> way it's no. just like yeah we fucking go and he didn't realize this he just i've loaded it or whatever like that and then you know the first thing is everyone on twitter just being like fucking...
1: average blue check behavior
2: yeah, yeah yeah like you got like you just oh my god but um aside from that it's like you know like these are the like what is it he there was that video of the cyber truck that was supposed to be like impervious like you know like the smash proof screens or whatever and then um elon and the designer like yeah. threw the ball at the screen and it yeah, just, oh, the window and it just immediately. Yeah.
1: it's my blue sky banner by the way it's just a picture of elon standing in front of a cybertruck with its shadow with the cracked windows just looking really embarrassed you
2: can't even keep it under con- like you know you can't even keep things together for like one display you'd think that if there was really like a risk you would have like put in some you know like it wouldn't have been a real cybertruck you would have put in some kind of like other secret shielded windows or something like that but it's like you don't even like Like, you don't even know what could go wrong. You don't even have any kind of, like, sense of what's going on here or whatever. It's, Mm -hmm. like, it's wild. Like, he's not even, like, clever enough to be more dubious about it.
0: We've been having some pretty, pretty miserable news so far on the show today, I think. Uh, So how about a happy story? Would would, would you like to hear a happy story? It's about a sweet old man celebrating his 100th birthday.
1: Oh, that's so precious.
0: So um, the the headline here is Henry Kissinger celebrates 100th birthday. World breathes a sour sigh of disappointment. Oh. So, um, yeah, Henry Kissinger, US statesman and evil ghoul, turned 100 years old this week. And I wanted to give him a little special birthday celebration by reading some of his achievements in his long career uh, on the show. Uh, Kissinger is responsible for many of the most disgusting plays of American imperialism in his lifetime so far, including the carpet bombing of Cambodia, the systematic bombing over an area without any, any plan based on military targets. They literally just selected an area and said bombs this far apart throughout this whole region, um, which has no confirmed total death toll. Well done, Henry. Carpet bombing is like like, yeah, disgusting. Well, one of the most disgusting
2: things you can do. Because it's like, literally, like, the idea is to, yeah, like, you know, uh, like what Soph was saying, like, plotting out a distance between each bomb so that the areas of destruction, the areas of effect, kind of all just line up so you had to like make it a just, game of
0: time. Yeah, well yeah, exactly. You know, it's like <laughs> Henry Kissinger used his alt.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. To completely like a carpet in an area yeah. and in bombs, you know? So it's just like everything within that zone is just
0: completely gone. It's absolutely devastating to the entire region, and he did it for he did it across just a huge amount of Cambodia's entire landmass. Like yeah, yeah, like gone. this guy is just like the 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 ghoulish most ghoulish ghoul that you can imagine. Like it's, I think that food critic Anthony Bourdain described the situation in Cambodia well. uh, In this quote, Once you've been to Cambodia, you'll never stop wanting to beat Henry Kissinger to death with your bare hands. You'll never again be able to open a newspaper and read about that treacherous, prevaricating, murderous scumbag sitting down for a nice chat with Charlie Rose or attending some black tie affair for a new glossy magazine without choking. Witness what Henry did in Cambodia, the fruits of his genius for statesmanship, and you'll never understand why he's not sitting in the dock at The Hague next to Milosevic. While Henry continues to nibble nori rolls at ramaki and A-list parties, Cambodia, the neutral nation he secretly and illegally bombed, invaded and under, uh, undermined and then threw to the dogs, is still trying to raise itself up on its one remaining leg. Um, R.I.P. King, um, Anthony Bourdain. Uh, I, I have so many more war crimes to read off, though. Uh, so he organized the massacres of millions across Vietnam, Cambodia and Laos under Nixon. Um Buckle in for some more. I I know people are more more aware of, of 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 that region, right? So there's more.
1: But I like how it's just like it's just one sentence, and oh, you massacred millions. Mm. Next, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: that's mm-hmm. what we're talking. That's
1: the that's a level of scum we're talking about.
0: And that's just point one as well. Any, anyone here heard of Chile? Anyone here heard of the uh, <laughs> General General Pinochet? Because he was heavily involved in the coup against Allende in Chile, which was both uh, responsible for the mass torture, brutalization, rape, and murder of untold numbers of Chile- Chilean citizens, and also seen as the first great victory of the new neoliberal order. Mm. Uh, so fucking cool. What a cool guy. Yeah
2: they they say like a lot you know like chile is where neoliberalism was born and it's like yeah. these were the um these were the like this was the bloody birth of um neoliberalism and kind of what what they what they
0: killed to create it you know so so fucking here we go <laughs> it's also noteworthy that like that the western imperialist powers view of chile was so much about like just literally a lab for them to play with yeah. like they they yeah. just thought of it as like literally like we can just see what and when, and when i say like western imperialist powers it can also be like narrowed down to just a fucking few guys because like the chicago school under milton friedman like people milton friedman taught and he was seen as like a crank who was like we can just deregulate everything it'll work out perfectly and everyone was like that that is utterly insane and then like capitalists realized how much money they could make off that situation if that was government policy instead of promoting him and then like guys he taught were were, you know general pinochet's direct economic advisors because you know um i'm I'm so early in the list of war crimes though um the pakistani dictator yaya khan was aided by kissinger in the bangladesh liberation war making kissinger responsible for the deaths of between 300 and 3 million more people uh the bangladesh liberation war was yeah uh, a fight for Bangladeshi independence um and yeah generally horrible affair east timor first liberated from portugal by local socialists was invaded by the indonesian dictator suharto propped up and armed by henry kissinger only a month after they declared independence because uh western powers were worried about there being a communist nation in the area yeah Over 200,000 Timorese were killed in massacres and organized starvation as a result.
1: This is so, it's so infuriating because when you're talking to people about communism and they're like, well, where has it ever worked? It's like, do you know anything about anything? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Please.
0: You know, it feels played out to say the thing about like, you know, it's been, it's been kneecapped by, by American imperialism everywhere that like people, you know, local people decide this is the way we want to organize ourselves. But like, when you read about the actual history of how brutal and horrifying it was what they did, it's uh, it's a different game entirely. But last War Crime. Uh, over 30,000 people were disappeared, brutalized, and tortured in Argentina by a military junta Kissinger approved in 1976. So, what an incredible career for Henry Kissinger, being interviewed in The Economist just this week. Kissinger's life may be one of the most perfect examples of how easily white people in the Imperial court can be led to believe that someone is a great statesman and hero by doing to brown people far away what they would find repulsive if it were done to white Europeans or Americans um i think that we don't usually think about the social dynamics of the imperial core in the imperial periphery because like by the geographic nature of imperialism right it's like mostly these aren't groups who are interacting because like the imperial periphery has been ghettoized by militarized borders but like there is a social dynamic here and you can see it really clearly with with henry kessinger as an example because like if he did this to white people he would be understood Mm -hmm. by everyone as one of history's greatest monsters instead of just like uh, everyone minus liberals i guess
2: yeah yeah i mean that's like what bourdain was saying right like you know like exactly you should be in the hog next to Milosevic and stuff right you know? like, <laughs> exactly. no, because you know because uh, these people don't you know they don't look like americans so they don't count or whatever you, you know.
1: can also see the huge divide in the way that people will um treat uh ukrainians versus say uh, Palestinians or any other group of non-white people that are being... Yemeni
0: people who are being mm-hmm. brutalized and murdered because of uh like weapons that the Britain is selling them you know well that's the that's the last note of our uh you know, the final note of our uh happy story for this week I just want to say happy 100th birthday Henry may it be your last and may humans around the world spit at your memory for 100 years more uh Tim do you want to tell us about the weather yeah so um the
2: strongest
0: storm on the
2: planet in two years has uh is passing north of guam at the moment the super typhoon i think calling it yeah super typhoon mawa strengthens into most powerful storm on earth in more than two years so um yeah it's a, a category four storm uh passed through just north of guam on this week wednesday and so it's building up force still as well you know so it's like it's the most powerful storm on the planet but um it's getting worse it's like, so far um <laughs> and yes one of the strongest storms in the world since uh, the year 2000 and so while it is just you know like it's a, a weather event things happen like this like all the random forces of the world or whatever um this is a pattern right you know like we're seeing this more and more i mean we've been seeing it a lot down here um the weather late like especially this year more than others has been like just one weather event after the another we've had you know floods and like just super strong winds and everything like that and it's just like this is happening more and more all over the world um obviously there is some kind of um there's something there's something going on that's uh that's affecting them you think
0: you know <laughs> that is uh perhaps changing the climate well we don't want to necessarily point fingers. So yeah, let's just describe what the thing that's happening is. Seems like the climate is changing, right?
2: Yeah, 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 yeah. It seems like there has been a change in the climate and that it may continue to do so. We're all looking for the class in society who did this. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. It was like winds up to 165 miles per hour. The picture of it is like pretty incredible. You can see it up on the screen now. It's um, just like this huge, big, round eye. <laughs> which is very uh pretty
0: this is the spooky weather with tim
2: yeah yeah spooky weather this is like this is the weather in night vale there's been typhoon warnings for the entire area and stuff um yeah and it's uh they're worried that it's going to get a lot stronger um gusts have been pegged up to 215 miles per hour which is like pretty pretty wild that's pretty strong winds so um yeah, so since 1979, only 13 other typhoons have reached uh 185 miles per hour strength. Pretty wild. It's um obviously uh, these kind of things are due to air pressure. So we get, um you know, like the cold and the hot air mixing together, spinning around a big circle or whatever. The temperature of the air and wind, obviously, you know, like this is the thing, like someone said the other day that they had no idea. Where wind came from, and it blew their mind. Um, Someone was—I saw someone saying on Twitter that they always thought it was the 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 gravity of the moon moving the waves, which pushes the air (laughs) that creates wind. But it's not. It's um, high and low air pressure from like hot and cold air, and um, yeah, obviously when they hit, they they do things. They push away, and then they create big gusts and stuff like that. So with the climate that is changing um, gets hotter the the sea the surface temperature of the sea heats up creates hot air
1: everyone take notes take notes everyone there will be a quiz maybe
2: yeah yeah so we're gonna see a lot more this there's obviously a lot more kind of climate change related things that feed into these events but um yeah that's that's the that's the most basic most mm-hmm. basic just the things so um yeah so there's a potential for Moa, the um typhoon to stay pretty strong for a while. Um, they have like uh, current ideas of where it's heading. They think um it's gonna be getting pretty rainy over in Taiwan soon. Like they're expecting it to be bad, but then there's a the potential that it gets really, really bad. Um, so they're kind of keeping an eye on it all throughout Asia at the moment. But um, yeah, there's not too many. And normally, they'd say like, "Oh, yeah, it's gonna come this way, and then it's gonna hit like this other pressure bar, and it's gonna chill out, or blah blah blah, whatever." But it's saying at the moment, there's nothing really stopping it. Like, there's nothing standing in the way of Moa from just getting a lot worse and getting a lot bigger, um, before it kind of before it peters out. So um, yeah, hopefully, hopefully, if anyone is watching from. Guam or possibly in Taiwan, or even I think it's going to pass relatively close to Japan as well. I hope they, um, I don't know, have a raincoat, I guess. Kira, what is happening over in the Netherlands?
1: Well, um, thank you, Tim. Speaking of, uh, you know, horrific things that are happening due to climate change, um, in the Netherlands, over 1500 climate activists were arrested. Uh, This is part of the Extinction Rebellion Climate Group. Uh, Activists were blocking a section of the motorway in the center of the city on Saturday. It was a protest against Dutch fossil fuel subsidies, which, by the way, is a form of nonviolent protest. But, you know... What do we expect from police when a bunch of nonviolent protesters try to protest the continue dump, continue dumping of fossil fuel emissions into our climate? Um, They react with violence. So police use the water cannon to disperse and harm activists blocking the major road. And they arrested one thousand five hundred seventy nine people, 40 of whom will be arrested and on charges that include vandalism. Uh, But here's a little fun fact. Uh, One of there was a few celebrities there, a few Dutch celebrities. And one of them was the uh, woman who played Melisandre from Game of Thrones. I don't know how to pronounce that, by the way. It was Carice Van Houten. So based. Awesome base queen uh she was arrested but then later allowed to return home so i wonder if they're like oh no we can't actually fuck with you because you're too famous <laughs> um who knows
2: yeah no that's like legitimately a thing right like yeah it's like they're not gonna put the um they're not gonna put the fire witch lady in the, the cells or whatever you know no because
1: like, it's gonna yeah. cause way too much focus on like yeah. you know this this absurdity
2: that you might have to do a spell she might have to like
1: <laughs> Shut
0: have up. a weird shadow baby
1: with um, the blood of a king
2: and (laughs) you
0: know uh use the leeches on the guys the guys ding dong or whatever yeah 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 yeah. do some nice stuff
1: i forgot that tim's a sword guy and this is probably like a big deal for him
0: i feel like i could probably say this for practically any european nation but i think there's a reputation of like holland being kind of twee and chill and like Mm. you know oh it's got amsterdam you go and smoke weed and take mushrooms there or whatever and windmills and clogs but like a cab is a cab everywhere um they're fucking the european cops as a as a general set like fucking suck but i I just i I remember like that that squatting book i'm always talking about um the autonomous city like the opening bit of that is like dutch cops um using the counter-terrorism unit to just evict some squatters from like a place they were chilling in and using as a, a like a youth center
1: just want to close this story by saying um as Tim mentioned in the previous story, and as a lot of you probably know from, you know, just observations of the world and what climate change is doing, climate change is extraordinarily violent, right? This is like, the and what, what Sophie was talking about before, it is like the threat to all life on the entire planet. And it's something that we could stop, but it's not stopping because the ruling class refuses to stop, right? So this is an extraordinarily violent act. And blocking a motorway is nonviolent, especially in the face of this enormous violence. So the police reacting violently towards nonviolent protests of like the looming threat to all life on the planet is just it's just it's just uh, I just want to point out that extraordinary contrast and also to in case anyone have was ever weakening on their hatred of cops. There it is. Hate the cops. Hate the capitalists. Note that police exist to protect capital, and that once again we're seeing that the state exists to mediate class tensions in favor of the ruling class.
0: There, there you go. That's that's the one. Um, <laughs> uh, it's like they're on the side of climate change. It's like as if they. It's a, it's like as if climate change is caused by a thing that they also defend, and then they're directly carrying out like the whims of the destruction of the planet as if it was like it's like we're facing a fucking thanos or some shit it's like there's this actual world-ending fucking villain and all of the other bad guys just like lining up in coalition like people who are anti-abortion and people who are anti-lgbt and like the cops and the state are just like no we love climate change actually we all want to die (laughs) Uh,
1: speaking of uh anti-queer uh dipshits uh sophie what's going on in london
0: Right, uh it's it's fucking it's counter demo weekend. Uh this happens once a month. Um Turning Point UK show up outside the Honor Oak pub in South London and then the next day Posy Parker holds a little fashy rally in Hyde Park. It keeps on happening. It's uh yeah, pretty regular thing now about about once, once a month the Saturday and the Sunday. Um and generally what happens is uh and this has been happening for the last few months now like a few hundred people show up and massively outnumber Turning Point UK at the Honor Oak pub uh, and tell them to get fucked. Um, That one's been getting, the basic trajectory of it is like that one's been getting better and better for our side, uh, which is to say the side of people who just want people to live and just like chill Um, uh, to the point where this weekend, yesterday uh, at the Honor Oak, their speakers didn't even show up the fascist speakers who had been like um preparing for it just like just didn't show up at all uh and as usual a ton of the local community anti-fascist blocs, and uh queer demonstrators uh showed up in in solidarity with the with the Honor Oak and the and the the drag queen uh, event that's being held there and yeah it's just an at- utter embarrassment for them the other um the other demo Posey Parker's one is a weird one that's, that goes back and forth um It's been, I wouldn't say it's like diminishing numbers on our side. Um, I would say like there's an escalation of both sides. Both sides have been getting bigger and also uh, their side has been getting a lot more aggressive, which means a lot of other people are uh, showing up, you know, preparing to like for the possibility that a fascist is going to attack them. Um, So, yeah, I wouldn't say it's like one is getting better and one is getting worse. I would say it's one is getting better and the other one is uh, continually frustrated by cis people not showing up to support us. Anyway, um, far-right org Turning Point UK attempted to disrupt a family-friendly drag event at the Honour Oak pub in South London, uh, as they've been doing every month. It's been reported between 20 and 40 members of the right-wing hate group were met on the street by around 100 queer people and allies who successfully repelled the group in what has been referred to as a joyful, righteous street party. Yeah, I saw some of some of the aftermath pictures as well. Like people have been drawing on the on the ground in chalk. Someone made like a little hopscotch grid and stuff. Like people were just chilling. Um they should bring grills to the next one. They should just actually fully have a street party. That'd be awesome. Uh there were no arrests on oak's pub uh Honor Oak Pub's drag queen storytime event went ahead without further incident. Uh meanwhile, uh, well, no. Actually actually I know meanwhile and I know Erstwhile, but I don't know the one for when it's in the future. Um Superwoman Posey Parker was also scheduled to lead a Let Women Speak Fascist temper tantrum in Hyde Park the following day. Uh, and yeah, that's been today. Uh, it's been a bit of a back and forth. Um, so three people were arrested today in Hyde Park. Um, currently, people are uh, waiting on um, arrestee support outside the stations uh, to so that when they're released, because obviously people don't bring a ton of stuff to protests. So then when you are held for like possibly... A full day or whatever. You're then chucked out on the street. You're exhausted. You don't have any of your stuff. Um, so people are doing arrestee support right now, and uh, we'll we'll meet them when they're when they're let go, um, or at least that's what's happening on our side. So what happened was um, Ben Lawrence, who is the founder of Patriots of Britain, a Nazi org, go figure, uh, attended both of these demos on the on the fascist side, and um, there's a video. It doesn't show uh, exactly what happens, but it's like i think it would it would it would be reasonable to look at the footage and and conclude uh that since he was behind like behind our line like there's the two sides of it with cops in between right um and 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 this nazi went behind uh to the to the other side to start trying to agitate people and was clearly walking around like looking for a fight um yeah. So there's a, there's a brief scuffle with someone who's holding up a flag by the looks of things holding it up in his face to try and get him to like fuck off. Um, and then they dip out of camera for a second and then there's a scuffle between them. I just, I just know where I would put my money, uh, between like some random trans protester and, um, uh, a, a Nazi skinhead, uh, on who, who starts a fight, but you know, um, the two of them collided into a third person, and that's how three people got arrested, because when the police swarmed in, they just grabbed all three of those people, including the person who was just standing there. And uh, yeah, so like I say, there are two arrestees on our side right now. Um, and there are, you know, comrades waiting to, to, to get them when they come out. So uh, Godspeed for their release. And uh, ACAB, basically ACAB. Uh, there was a a minor funny thing that happened on Twitter where the GCs were trying to claim that Ben Lawrence was uh, a trans rights activist. I think pr- probably because he wore a, he wore a football shirt that's got pink and blue on it, maybe. Um, but it's like you look at a picture of the guy. He he looks like he looks like um, Kadyrov, that like Russian general who's especially proud of murdering gay people. Like he he has like every every possible element of like fashy skinhead piece of shit. And, like, the 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 gender criticals being like, it's a trans rights activist. This is someone who's just trying to find an excuse to be a misogynist. And I'm like, I do think he's probably a misogynist. Uh, most Nazis are. But I'm just looking at this guy and I'm immediately like, nah, that's a Nazi, though. So Yeah, yeah.
2: There was a bunch of that with um, the Posey Parker in Australia and also over here where they tried to, like, paint, you know, like anyone that was, like, violent or whatever is, like, a, you know, like, a, a, a TRA, a trans transverse activist or whatever, but it's, like, these are people that are very public, like, these are known people, like, that, uh, you know, like, that have been, like, very vocal, you know, these are people that are, like, you know, like, they have a history of doing far-right shit, they're on camera, on record saying and doing all these kind of things and stuff, like, it's very obvious that they're not, like, you know, it's like we know what we know which team these guys are on, right? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's very much like grasping at straws from them. Or you know, it's like that idea where it's like everything is a conspiracy against them, and it's like that's the only way they can reconcile what's happening. Yeah, I, right? I
0: saw them doing some cons- some conspiracy thinking about the the Nazis who were like Zeke Heiling and had swastikas on them at the Australia demo, like yeah. saying that the Nazis had shown up to disrupt and to make their side look bad and confuse things, and it's like. They're on your side, though. And so when people show up and they stand next to you and you find everything about them abhorrent, you, like, move away from them and you say, fuck yeah. you. You don't shake their hand, give them high five. Yeah, yeah exactly. You know
1: what? I, I'm excited to see the next turf rally that's against Nazis explicitly like yeah, they, yeah, yeah. they have all these like anti-trans rallies but i've yet to see and i'm very excited for it sounds like they hate them right so I can't nazis wait to are see. enemies
0: of women is the thing like everyone knows nazis fucking hate women um if right. i mean if any if any turfs actually would care to make arguments uh against that statement uh feel free uh i just feel like you'll be more honest about your beliefs
1: i just would like to see them demonstrate against nazis i just have any, yet to day see any of that yeah any day any yeah. day now yeah Anyways, uh I okay, guess so we have our last story. Um so 200,000 Palestinian families are due to lose UN food assistance. So on May 11th, the uh UN World what is it? Called? wtf stands for the World Food uh sorry, World 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 Food Program, my my apologies, the WFP, the World Food Program of the UN, announced the statement that 200,000 families or 60% of the people the agency assists in Palestine will no longer be receiving food assistance due to a severe funding shortage Um, by August. So that's so in by august the world food program will be forced to completely suspend operations in the west bank and gaza if no funding is received um it literally only needs 51 million dollars to keep funding its operations which by the way is not a lot um but i want that i can i was thinking about reading a testimony from somebody in gaza um about this yeah so Sama al Kanu um, is in Northern Gaza Strip, and she's still coming to terms with the shocking message she received, ignoring, informing her that her monthly food voucher has been cut off. She says, I've been receiving this voucher for 10 years. It relieved me of the burden of providing basic food every month. Um, she's 45, lives with her 66-year-old husband who is sick and Jesus four children. Um, she says she waits impatiently for the coupon worth about $75 to come in at the start of every month. She goes early in the morning to encash it it at the supermarket next to her house. And that she said, receiving the letter, the letter that I was going to get cut off was a day of mourning for me. Um, She spent the entire day crying and her blood pressure spiked. And she said, at least with a voucher, I had the minimum basic needs covered in my house. And she's pointing to a barrel of flour that is about to run out. What should I do today? How shall I feed my family? Sometimes I think it would be better off if we all died. Sorry for the bummer story, but, um, This sucks super hard. Like, obviously, (laughs) Palestinians are massively suffering under occupation by Israeli settlers Um, for the multitude of of, we've discussed this so many times in the stream. But um, I think we all understand. And this is just severely disgusting that they would further be trapped like especially in gaza in an open-air prison and unable to now re- even receive the meager food vouchers that they need in order to feed themselves Horrible. and their families um and to compare to date israel has received 260 billion dollars from the united states government alone the vast vast majority which has gone to military assistance and missile defense um this year alone the state department u.s state department has given israel 3.8 billion dollars to fund their military missile defense program purely 100 percent, just for that um so again compare fit the palestinians will starve they're already food insecure many of them are still are starving at the moment but even more so and we they the u.n needs only 51 million dollars to keep funding this operation and then compare that to uh, what settlers in Israel are receiving just from the U.S. Department or uh, the U.S. government alone. Yeah, for "quote unquote" de- defense. Yeah, 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 the, yeah, "quote unquote" defense program. Uh huh. things from sucked. the
2: the people relying on the food vouchers that are getting cut off. Yeah.
0: <laughs> um,
1: Solidarity with our Palestinian comrades.
0: Absolutely. Yeah.
1: Sorry for the bummer story. To- <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Ooh. No, it's
0: I. Sometimes the news sucks. So. Um, but you know what doesn't suck summer uh summer is just beginning which means the summer heat waves are just around the corner yay i made it sad again before we get into
1: that maybe we should talk about our patreon
0: you know what there's never a bad time to talk about patreon.com slash red underscore planet uh
1: -hmm. there are
0: various different tiers we don't have to do them all right now but uh you can there are so many tiers you can subscribe at you can mm-hmm. give us a very very amount of money as
1: little as $2 a month american dollars if you want to support mm-hmm. us and we would really appreciate it if you want to if you like the program so far you enjoy our our witty banter and chemistry but also covering really important events that especially you don't see covered anywhere else which i uh-huh. don't see people talking about imperial periphery struggles um very often so i'm very proud that we're an, we're a group that yeah. does and if you want to continue oh, for that matter
0: even in our sphere, i don't see people talking this much about the cost of living crisis honestly i mm-hmm. uh, i i see a lot of people talking about like biden's reelection or whatever and i'm like yeah. the people are starving yeah yeah yeah, yeah.
1: patreon.com slash red underscore planet um we really appreciate each and every one of our patrons and like i said it's only as low as two bucks a month but there are other tiers if you can provide more and so um Yeah, let's just jump into the main topic. Yeah,
0: summer is just beginning, which means the summer heat waves are just around the corner. Yay, it's a cheerful and happy episode for everyone. Uh, Everybody knows that each summer is now going to be hotter than the last. Everybody knows that it's because of climate change and everybody understands the implications. Things are going to start falling apart more and more until the systems that are killing the planet are brought to a halt. We figured it was a good point in the year to pause and have a discussion about these implications. So this week on Red Planet we're in the hot house having some discussions for a summer that will always be hotter than the last. Yay, climate change. It's like <laughs> I'm still it's like I'm still writing my script even when I'm not writing my script. <laughs> so yeah, the first big topic I wanted to talk about today was um homelessness and refugees and immigrants uh because I think like uh the, the the broad umbrella like displaced people is probably like a really good place to start talking about um the direct effects of uh climate change on our lives. Uh, mm-hmm. from two angles, right? Which is like people who are already displaced or have found themselves displaced already, like um like people who don't have shelter are going to be struck really badly by all of the all of the extreme weather events. Uh like A pretty basic basic idea that the you know having a roof over your head protects you from the weather um but also like it's going to be driven by climate change as well it's already been i think people have pointed out like um the civil war in syria drove a lot of the uh the what was you know the the evolving migrant crisis in europe um and a lot of people have said that like climate change is a big factor in what caused the civil war in syria to begin Mm -hmm. um but like there are there are there are already direct climate refugees from places that have been flooded or places that are Mm -hmm. like experiencing like constant drought or whatever. And I think that like, it's really clear to see that, yeah, people, people are being displaced. There's, 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 um, external displacement when people, you know, are going to be like, uh, trying to cross borders because like the entire region of where they are to begin with is fucked. Uh, there's also going to be internal displacement, like, because climate change Will continue to cause housing crises like directly and indirectly, you know like if you're talking about within the imperial core there's plenty of places- ac- across America like more land l- disappears in Louisiana like faster than anywhere else on the planet um and like yeah, people having their homes flooded are going to be like internal refugees to countries, but what they'll mostly be viewed as is homeless people right like they they won't be they they it's very likely these people won't even be considered a kind of like their own political class uh except for just being people who are homeless um yeah and then like the housing crises that aren't just like caused by you know an area floods or whatever or has a a devastating storm but like housing crises because there's a cost of living crisis because there's a fuel crisis because there's climate change you know like um yeah yeah that's what i wanted to that's the, the that's the discussion yeah it's um it is
2: pretty well because um I think that there's, like, this kind of idea that a lot of people think about of, um, you know, like, a lot of these, like, very direct effects, like, you know, like, the actual, like, loss of land, habitable land and everything like that to be something that is, like, You know this like very far future kind of Mad Max kind of thing but um yeah we've like uh like in the Pacific there have been islands that have been like literally sinking for like Mm -hmm. decades now like Kiribati is like pretty much going to be gone we've talked about this on stream before but they um they've recently started a project where they're kind of mapping out and um filming as much of the island as possible to recreate yeah. it in virtual reality so that the kids that are being born now can actually see what their island was like at one point you know because uh, you know they 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 feel that <sighs> in the near future it's pretty much just going to be gone you know oh which my, is which is so, so grim
1: wild. that's so grim
2: where do you go like someone has to kind of like you know someone has to kind of like let them settle somewhere you know like they'll end up throughout the pacific but um i'm guessing like australia new zealand will probably have a lot of um yeah Kiribati refugees which is um wild and yeah like you know like uh that's that's just the start of it you know (laughs) like because a lot of these smaller islands are kind of um well some of them are quite high but a lot of them are quite low-lying so they obviously you know like will be covered earlier but um, yeah. But then there's a lot of there's a lot of countries that are going to start um start disappearing too. So yeah, it's um it's it's pretty worrying. It's um yeah, it's something that I think we're going to start seeing a lot more of. Um, yeah. yeah, I mean, like, it's,
0: oh. I, th- I kind of bleaker thought I've had in, uh, recurring is like we know that climate activists have been saying, I don't know, the the last white rhino or the, the polar bear might die off or whatever. And it, it, it just feels like it's going to shift to a point where people are saying like the last, uh, like the last Syrian, uh, like, you know, the last, the last people who are like living in the the region we consider to be Syria, like, or whatever other place like winds up in like permanent drought, like campaigning on these kinds of terms, like pleading for people within the Imperial court to like care and change about it. Um, and, like, yeah, imagining people's apathy uh at that point is really horrifying, like
2: yeah, yeah, it's pretty wild, um, yeah, and I feel like uh it's something that it's a conversation that has been had in the Pacific for a long time now, like I definitely right. remember these discussions going back years, you know, like since I was a kid, um but yeah, it kind of seems like, yeah, it's like one of these things like um i I sometimes do get surprised when talking to people from overseas and it's really like the first they've heard of it and it's kind of just like man like i remember people have been trying to be so loud about it for so long yeah. but um i don't know you know like it's obviously not uh, you in... you telling us about it was definitely the first i'd heard, heard about the, yeah, yeah um... exactly You know, it's, it's obviously not like a failing of individual people in you know the empirical or anything like that but it's just like One of those things where it's like, it's against kind of like the capitalist hegemony, like these kind of stories, you know? Right. So it's just like, they're not getting told the effect um, of this. Isn't just, you know, like oceanfront properties and everything like that, you know, like obviously everywhere there's water, there's going to be like rivers, lakes, everything like that affected. Um, And uh, I mean, we've seen a lot of um, with the climate changing so much and like the increased storms and all that kind of stuff we're beginning a lot more flooded and areas over here that um uh you know like wetlands are getting a lot wetter
0: so um yeah you know like uh there's been some pretty pretty bad floods down here but um yeah britain's gonna be like florida in the next couple of decades like where i was um Talking about uh, primary amoebic and, and meningoencephalitis, which is like a, a parasite I read about when I was a kid and became absolutely terrified of because it's like you have no, no symptoms for like three days and then you just fucking die like all your organs shut down and I was like fuck, how do I avoid that? And it's like um, it, well, it lives, it lives in these kind of swampy climates where there's like stagnant water and it's really warm and I'm like, I remember reading about that as a kid and being like, cool, I'm never going to Florida, no worries, all yeah. fine. <laughs> and then Florida
2: is coming to you.
0: Florida is coming to me, exactly. <laughs> yeah,
2: but that's um an interesting thing that uh, happened over it has been happening over here is um a lot of these areas that are floodplains that are getting um you know flooded really badly now, um, or just you know in recent history, uh, were. You know, like, historically, they're, you know, it's, like, wetlands, so they wouldn't really build anything there. Um, come to modern time, it is cheap land, so developers buy it cheap, then develop it. They build big subdivisions, big, you know, like, all these houses. People move into the houses. The floods come. The houses are now
0: inhabitable, and these people don't, you know, like, have anywhere to go. I've now heard, like, two stories from two separate people I know who don't know each other at all about, like, properties that they know of that, like the the people managing and selling them or whatever like it know they'll be gone within 30 years time like that they can't get insurance on this land or they can't get planning permission for this thing or whatever because like they 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 have been sold this thing but like it's gonna it's just gonna be gone yeah yeah
2: yeah yeah that's a other thing in um flood affected areas you know like now you can't get insurance there and in some places you can't like just with doing like buying anything like that without insurance is just like not even possible, you know. Do you think, oh, you know, the the climate refugees will be from, you know, like from Kiribati, from, you know, wherever, but it's like, and they could just be from like your own like country, you know,
0: they could just be from different areas. Uh I'm pretty sure some of my neighborhood is gonna be regularly underwater in ten years time. Like not probably probably properly not habitable because like it'll, yeah. it will flood so often.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so it's this thing where it's like, okay, well there's at these people that don't have houses to live in they're not allowed to they can't live in the houses that they've bought but the houses they they've they've paid all this money for them you know they or whatever um some people are trying to get together and get the government to buy them back and redesignate the areas floodplains and all this kind of stuff but it's like it's a whole thing you know and it's like you can't where do you live when you're not allowed to live in your area like this there have been places uh down here where they've the government's just been like okay the roads aren't safe there anymore so everyone just has to get up and leave like you have to walk out of this area you can't you know you know you can't carry anything with you or whatever and it's like what do you what do you do then when you um you have to live somewhere you don't have any money because it's all tied up in this stuff you can't just buy another house somewhere else you can't you know rent because you don't have any savings or whatever like some people can't even work because of whatever and it's just like okay well now you're you know you're a person in the imperial core that's just you know begun to feel what like a refugee feels, yeah um, yeah, so it's like um, yeah, it is gonna
0: be a lot closer to home for a lot of people than um I don't think they realize there's something I think about a lot, which is like it's probably it's 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 like people building new builds on what well, people uh, capitalist developers um yeah. building like new build apartments on floodplains, which is happening a bunch here in here in London like uh for hundreds of years people have not expanded london far to the east because it's all floodplains for the thames out there and then like in the last 20, 20 or 30 years all these developers were like holy shit look at all this cheap flat land and it's just like what are you doing and like i so i find it really interesting because um for similar reasons you know east london has been famously and historically impoverished a lot of immigrant communities and uh communities of black british people have lived there um but a lot of the stuff they're building now like it's entirely unaffordable to normal people so it's like it's for finance perverts like a lot of this shit is is luxury apartments so, but like the bare minimum of luxury right i'm always pointing out that the that the um the old critique of, like, Soviet architecture was, like, they're just concrete cubes and everyone gets the same thing. And now it's, like, these new builds they're selling are concrete cubes that they've put, like, a tile, yeah. like, a tile brick facade over. It's, like, what what perfect description of late-stage capitalism? But, like, they're they're making all these houses they they're marketing them directly to like young professionals who work in the finance sector and then those people are, pro- are generally going to be people who who can relocate if like it gets shitty so they won't there won't be like you know um as much let's say you know um internal climate refugees generated from this but like i don't know i just find it to be one of the like most ghostly places like instances of capitalism because a lot of construction is done because people uh, because uh, people uh capitalist developers like need to dispose of surplus capital surplus capital is a bizarre idea because of like everyone thinks like if you get capital you want to hold on to it but actually like the system needs to keep the money moving for it to matter and so people have to like move surplus capital and one way they do that is by by turning it into like real estate investments yeah. and so like They're building houses, not because anyone wants them, but because they need to spend the money to build the houses. They're renting them to people who, like, keep the cogs turning of the same machine that causes this to happen. Those people will be there temporarily until the consequences of the system that they all work on together makes it impossible to live there, and then they'll go somewhere else, presumably just another one of the same, like, the same soulless new builds on a different floodplain that's not quite, like, quite as flooded yet. (laughs) Like, what a bizarre thing.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Well, so, yeah. So a lot of the places that got flooded over here were, yeah, have been built on floodplains because yeah, obviously developers have bought the cheap and flat land and they've, you know, done all that. But um, the interesting thing is that a lot of the areas, yeah, they were, it was designated as land that you couldn't build on like that. Absolutely. No one was going to like the floodplain said, no, this is, this area is too bad. So the insurance uh, companies and, and some others kind of and some developers they kind of like took legal action to get the floodplains altered, altered the maps altered it's like they changed the standard of measurement sort of thing so it's like okay this area it's it's technically not a floodplain anymore it's like you haven't actually changed anything yeah. the water will still come to the same level but it's just not deemed a problem anymore <laughs> so it is this like very capitalist thing of being like these these to industries you know like developers and the insurance it's almost like how like we treat
1: covid right now
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah. exactly
1: where it's still hor- horrible and happening and people are still dying in droves but it's no longer an emergency so it's just you know business as usual yeah, it's yeah.
0: more evidence that liberal politicians if they're like uh if they're if they're faced with the uh, ipcc saying there we have 11 minutes until climate change kills us all they'll just re-regulate the length of a second <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. We have ten thousand years, buddy. It's fine. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and um, yeah, and even like
2: yeah, so many developments are being built. Like you know, the same kind of thing. Like, building these cubes, or it's like they're building these houses or these like you know these dwellings, not houses really that are um that are made to tick the boxes of what legally what a house or like yeah what a dwelling is so that they can sell it and because for the most part it's people that are that are especially down here you know it's a speculative market people aren't buying it to raise a family in or whatever or they're not they're not building it to sell to families or anything like that. they're building it to sell to investors who are then
0: renting out these like kind of substandard homes that aren't fit for purpose all that kind of stuff local authorities have like quotas that they need to fill for the amount of affordable houses. Again, like affordable is something that can be moved around all over the place, but like affordable houses that are being built, which, you know, and, and, and more broadly just for like the amount of houses being built in general, because it's always, we must always expand. Um, and so like, you know, it, that's a crucial box that they're taking um, is like, we're building, we're, yeah, we're building houses for, for the local council. They need this many more yeah, homes. Yeah, exactly. So we're building these, like,
2: tiny shitty units yeah. in in areas that will flood. And it's like, you know, and it's like, even if the people that are buying the houses are living elsewhere, the people
0: that are renting them are, you know, the poor people that are going to be living in the floodplains. It's like if you were playing Cities Skylines badly on purpose as a joke. Like, that's the that's <laughs> yeah. the vibe here. Like, you, you just see this floodplain land and you're like, let's fucking go. Yeah. I know how I can get enough homes for my population. Get a good deal on that, yeah, yeah. And also like... nothing but luxury apartments because then I can get the most money off of it, but like no one will be able <laughs> yeah. to afford to live there. It's yeah, it's wild, but it's like
2: yeah, you know, just like keep bringing this stuff up because it feeds into like how you know, like a lot of people when they think about the problems of the climate crisis, they think about like you know, like um, like pollution and things like that. You know how it actually directly like materially affects the Atmosphere and all this kind of stuff, but it is also like the way that the kind of you know, like the um, just kind of like the economic side of things actually affects things, and yeah, in so many other ways. Like, it's such a, a deep kind of um, uh, you know, it's like in every level, like you just do the computer enhanced meme, and every time you get closer, you just see more like it's it's more
0: capitalism, there's more the criminals were just the bankers all along or whatever you know like um oh shit old man capitalism there wasn't a ghost haunting this far exactly well. yeah, yeah you just take the mask yeah. off every time. so um i wanted to say as well about tent cities which aren't really a phenomenon uh as much in the uk right now but like this is something that i'd say you know, if we if we're talking about like the the summer coming up, the, a big reason to, that we're going to be talking about the summer like the summer coming up is like heat uh, and more daylight means people are more politically agitated, um, but like we're also so so we're kind of looking at this season coming up uh as a time when probably much more shit is going to kick off like it'll be really interesting to see what happens throughout france right Mm -hmm. um but also we're looking forward to uh future summers and what's going to happen on you know the trend of years right and i think that like Tent cities have have grown across the U.S. like year by year, right?
1: What's a tent city?
0: It's an area that has been, uh, uh, that homeless people have been allowed to congregate in uh, Mm. on such mass that they're, they're, uh, yeah, I mean, it's a a tent city. Like the people are all living in tents um, together and these become extremely stigmatized areas where like... You know, obviously the police are trying to get rid of them. There almost inevitably comes some kind of push from the local authority to, like, get the police to evict them en masse. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that San Francisco has a, like, famous problem with them. Um, and Seattle as well.
1: The way you're describing it sounds like it's like a formal space that's a, where homeless people are allowed to live. But I don't think that's a thing, right? No,
0: it's not. it's not legislated by the council as come live here, that's mm-hmm. fine. It's like... It's the, it's the fact that it's not already being used or it's mm-hmm, like an mm-hmm. area that people like the, the, for whatever reason, like, you know, the, the police just aren't as, aren't quick enough, like stop, like stopping homeless people for existing in a space, you know, mm-hmm. uh, or whatever. Um, it's generally a more neglected part, like a part of a, uh, whatever, you know, city, um, where people, yeah, people start to congregate, and then like it's the state of exception. It's a it's a classic place in which like there is a a feature that will carry on being there all the time, but it's mm-hmm. not part of the it's not part of the local administration's plan. Like it's they're they're never thinking, and that'll be the tent city area. They're like, oh shit, how did a tent city happen? And it's like, well, you have a huge homelessness crisis, so maybe that's how a tent city happened. And I think yeah, I think that's something we can kind of anticipate in in, in years coming, right?
1: Yeah. It's really sad because in, I used to live in Seattle and yeah, there's tents like everywhere. If you drive down the highway into the city, all the grass near like that, like surrounds, you know, like the hills that surround the highway is just mm. like covered in tents. People just living there. Right. Exactly. Um, and every once in a while, you'll just see a certain area just cleared out. Like there is these yeah. homeless people that were living God forbid they were living near some stores. Some uh, one of them was like this this like French bakery that everyone loved. They loved to wait in line forever for their like famous chocolate whatever. Um right. overpriced what have you. Um but there were homeless people that were living nearby in these tents. Um I used to every time I went grocery shopping, I always drive by that area so I would try to like buy them food every once in a while and like make little like brown bag like lunches to hand out to them because it like sucks super hard that you're like out here suffering. And then one day they were all gone and the area was fenced off. And there's a signs like no one's allowed to do whatever here or loiter or what have you. And just that's your progressive city, Seattle, like far more progressive, I think in some ways in a lot of cities, but at the end of the day, property, private property is private property.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's um like there are some there are some, I think, small administrations that like effectively kick homeless populations back and forth like a football. Like they're just uh, there's there's an area that's kind of near to their to their boundary between their between their administrations and the homeless people are all congregating there. And then it reaches a point and their their police clear them all out and then they go to the next administration over and they congregate there for a while until the police clear them out there. And then there's obviously like what you're saying where... Um, once the police do it, then then they fence off the area to be like no mm-hmm. one, no one, no one can can congregate here anymore. Mm-hmm. One thing I wanted to talk about was um wi- during winters, people's attempts at mutual aid towards unhoused populations um kind of reach a point where this is kind of interesting, right? It, it's it's like with the tent city thing we were just saying that it's not a formal part of the local council plan or whatever, but it's something that keeps on happening and they keep on allowing to happen because ultimately these are people they have let down and what like the only things they can do with people that their entire system fails is like allow them to break a rule for a while until it gets too much right um and i so like um winter shelters which we've talked about a little bit on the show before uh is a really good example of that as well where like homeless people have been let down by the system there's nothing in the system for them um but rather than rather than actually going beyond the system and helping them Uh, local authorities just allow mutual aid projects that are helping them for a short term but then like they can't let that carry on being a thing because then people will be building mutual aid and then and then building parallel power so um we talked about this with the london Magnavists when the when when um alex from the london Magnavists came on the show um that like their their squatting activism basically like every winter they wind up taking like taking some kind of um, venue and making it into a homeless shelter because obviously mm-hmm. a lot of homeless people don't survive the cold. Um, and like, that's basically, it's not that they're left unbothered, but like they they get a lot less attention from local councils and from police during the winter. And then as soon as like the weather's warming up again, you know, you can't just let those people just live there. What a crazy idea. That would, That's bad for some reason. And then they kick them out. And I think that like so there's an example going on currently in London, which is the autonomous w- winter shelter. Uh, it might be some of the same folks, but I know I don't have a confirmation on that. Um, and they're currently facing eviction because like it's gotten far enough away from the <laughs> from the winter that the police are like, now nah, you have to move on. Um, and I think that like, it's, it's probably quite likely that we'll see autonomous summer shelters as well. And I think that that's a point at which like, it's going to be really hard for local councils and police to like, try to try to like evict people at any point because like with the summer heat waves worsening and they'll get longer at the same time like people should be given some kind of shelter and it's it's like the same exact kind of understandable justifiable rationale that like even though it's not part of their system uh they they want the homeless people to not die probably um that like if people set up shelters to to shelter people specifically from the heat wave um, yeah, I don't know. I, like, I, I don't know what would happen then. Uh, the most likely thing is that the system would try to recuperate it into itself, right? And, and be like, yeah. "This is a homeless shelter we approve of." But like, it's just an interesting prospect to uh, think about for what's going to happen yeah. in, in throughout future summers and years. There are um, there are places like um, you know, kind of
2: uh, low cost, sort of cheap accommodation that um that we have down here i probably have something similar over there that the government will actually um like through you know like our kind of work and income thing um will like pay the rent of you know like well for a homeless person in some circumstances not always and it is kind of hard to get into and all this kind of stuff and they'll pay um you know like the rent or uh, the entirety of the rent or portion of it depending on you, Their condition or their um, circumstances or whatever to live in, but they're like notoriously terrible. And one of them just the other week, a place down in Wellington called Loafers Lodge, uh, burnt down one night and like a whole bunch of people died because it's just like terrible, like shitty little lodge kind of things. Like, uh, this one in particular had, I think it was like up to 90 people in there at a time. Um, Jesus kind of like a hostel kind of thing and it's like they are a hostel that you can just go and rent out and stuff but the government often has like kind of these like emergency housing kind of deals with them and stuff but like you know like these places are so bad that like they have like communal cooking areas that don't work and I think they think that is maybe to do with like the fire that they had because a lot of people just have little gas cookers in their rooms and stuff so it's still basically like people just like you know, it's like one step removed from actually living on the street. And um, yeah, and this place is like, like it shouldn't have existed or not in that state. Like it was just so bad and run down and all this kind of stuff. But the owner's making money from this, you know, like making huge amount of money from not just the inner city real estate, but from, you know, these, you know, the government paying for these rooms and all this kind of stuff. So it's like these things where it's like, okay, there is a form of this where it could be good, but this is, the form under capital, capitalism in our shitty neoliberal country and shit like that where it's like i wouldn't trust anything set up as like a kind of um you know under the current system i just wouldn't trust anything the government set up to not immediately just become evil you know like yeah uh yeah so it's pretty hard because like yeah on one thing it's like you want you want something to be done you know you want there to be some kind of somewhere for people to live and all this kind of stuff but it's just like in the in the system that we're in there's no way that something like this could um yeah could survive in a, in a good form for long it's like you know like this is a systemic issue and not something that we can just kind of yeah not something that we can set
0: up but i mean i think that it i it also is something that we like we can uh, as in Know ordinary people can i think it's important for us to focus on on that part of this as we have these discussions that are probably going to be like pretty doom and gloom so maybe we should wrap like make sure to wrap them each up with like people can do things yeah Um, yeah.
2: that's one thing that i've seen is like people that work together grassroots organizations of people that like genuinely care i've seen do far more than any kind of like government subsidized business kind of thing and faster too yeah 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 faster yeah yeah absolutely like it's just you know and it's um like I think that the model of yeah you know like the kind of um like the mutual aid networks and you know kind of building dual power and stuff like that I think that is that's the you know that's the
0: only thing that can really meaningfully address these issues under the current system you know like yeah Autonomous shelters—I'm aware of them as a phenomenon in in London and in other places in Europe. I don't know about the U.S. or or down south, um, or anywhere else. But like, certainly, you know, yeah. Just speaking from my perspective in London, like the autonomous winter shelter is currently trying to prevent being evicted by the cops and the local council. Um, and they have uh, pages. You can just look up aut- autonomous winter shelter to like there are ways you can support them that they've talked about. Um, you know, I think that also like just generally like what Kira was describing earlier, just like uh, people getting food together for homeless people is like really important as well. Like it's obviously just a a stopgap solution. Um, But unless people, unless, unless someone watching were to decide to like go and squat a venue and open their own autonomous shelter, uh, then, and that would be illegal. So I can't, I can't tell anybody to do that, but um, some scoundrel (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> uh yeah could get together with with some friends and break into an abandoned property and turn it into a homeless shelter uh is is probably the most direct action i can imagine to deal with uh the suffering of how, um, the unhoused population right
2: yeah, yeah 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 i mean that's the thing like you know there are we've talked about this before we've talked about squatting it's like the houses are there like the the shelter is there when um when covid started over here in the first lockdown um our government actually went and um, got contracts with a bunch
0: of motels and hotels and um, housed right. a bunch of people immediately. We had a quote in the paper here, one of one of our ministers saying that they wanted homelessness ended by the weekend. Yeah. Like, cool, we can just do that, okay.
2: Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. yeah, there was also a thing, um, as like a kind of temporary measure until they figured something out, they um, took over an entire car park and just like kind of like kind of secured it and like because a lot of people already had their, their their tents and everything like that and a lot of them actually preferred that from what I've heard since then a lot of them because uh, there are people that have been living you know sleeping rough we call it over here um, for a long time and kind of don't like the idea of being inside in in rooms and things like that and they just they don't necessarily feel safe there um and so a lot of them were like this is actually like preferable to us to sleep in our tents and our setups in um in these kind of areas and it's like if yeah if they, if they really wanted to they could they could do something pretty quick you yeah. know like it would just take um like going mean, under capitalism it's like right it it takes uh it takes an incentive right and the um like human human life and dignity is not an incentive to them you know no absolutely
0: next topic let's talk about protesting uh there's gonna be more protests we know this Mm. uh because shit's getting more fucked all the time i feel like sometimes i wonder if we should be if we should be like pointing at the stuff that we say is gonna come true but i feel like we like pointing at it coming true and being like look um but at the same time it's also just like the main prediction is just like the material conditions are going to get fucking worse all the time in every conceivable way. And it's kind of like, we'd have to point at everything. Like we'd have to point in every direction and be like, yeah, look, it's, it's fucked. Uh, Like I already said, like the summer tends to be when, when shit kicks off, um, unless it's October. Um, because the the days are longer the the weather's hotter people generally like feel more agitated and they also feel more like interested in going outside and so like when there's a protest in the middle of winter people are generally like nah i'm gonna stay inside uh when there's a protest in the middle of summer you can get tons more people to come out i was saying just earlier on my stream i was like wondering about because of the intensity of heat waves like when there are like really really hot days i wonder whether it'll be more likely that protests are kind of like in the evening or even through the night because, like, you know, just, like, people can't necessarily be out in the middle of, like, the uh, midday sun. Protests will be harder for two reasons. Um, Well, uh, there's a third reason, which is, like, neoliberal governments are always going to respond with, like, more cops to every single problem. So there'll be more cops, and and there'll be worse cops as well. There'll be shittier cops.
2: Well, that's, like, a thing, right? When you all these, like, problems that we keep bringing up that everyone, like, talks about and stuff like that, it's, like, it always just comes back to the solution is to get more cops because i guess like in the liberal mind or whatever cops yeah uh, the enforcers of order or whatever you know and it's just like whether it's homelessness anything like that it's like okay well we just you know these poor underfunded cops understaffed cops whatever we just
0: we just need more like the current system works we just need more of it right right it's like the the constant conservative rags that like publish like basically day in day out like oh no cops are quitting because they're not being appreciated enough and it's like most of the time that you dig into it like they're, they're trying to fear monger anyway and cops aren't really actually quitting uh mm. in any great numbers but like there is a steady stream of cops quitting quitting all the time and like pondering the phenomenon of cops quitting is like it's a quick way to like joke ap- joke pill yourself because it's like what are the reasons that a cop's gonna quit well <laughs> When I think through that question, I wind up at the, the conclusion that, like, they're going to be replaced by someone really bad. Like, the the person who will accept the things that the other guy quit for means that they, if they, you know, if not, they don't feel like they're paid enough, they don't feel, like, respected by citizens enough, uh, whatever, like, it's going to be someone who's like, I really, really, really want to be a cop and I don't mind all those things yeah
2: yeah and i think like it's like this funny thing as well when you see it they're them talking about why they quit and they're like oh well, it just got really dangerous and it's like right but then like that's kind of what you signed up for and also like <laughs> yeah. cops love the idea of being the heroes in the face of the danger and it's just kind of like oh wow so like all the all this you've been you know talking all this time about all the great work that you do in the face of evil or whatever like that and then when you know people actually started kind of like pushing back against you you quit like you know because you just you know like you got to wear the bully badge for a while and then you know (laughs) like and then it caught up with you and now it's like you know like this is it like you want to you know you want to be the I don't know like you know like they have this kind of like real crusader mentality like we're the only thing keeping society together but you know like if if a pensioner spits at me i'm quitting immediately you know <laughs> like, yeah because i'm trying to drag them out of their home
0: <laughs> yeah yeah but then you're replaced by the guy who who goes sicko mode on the pensioner instead Um uh, yeah quitting. the guy that's like <laughs> i want to i want to beat the shit out of a pensioner like
2: I, that pensioner spit at make me make my day like, <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> but like it, it is like there's like the flip side of cops quitting as well where it's like if it's um for understandable reasons you're like okay well then the person who replaces you is going to be like, those Those reasons uh, don't matter. I really want to be a bully. Yeah. But then, like, there's the other side, which is, like, sometimes you hear about cops quitting because some, like... I heard the other day from someone who i care deeply about but could really uh, do with understanding a cab better uh <laughs> like they were they were like Ugh. um i i know some people who work cops and they quit because like the 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 internal like surveillance that the met is under now like if uh someone says something like out of line or untoward and then like the other people that they're around don't immediately report them like they'll all get in trouble and i'm like mm. Right but like what counts as like something untoward because I've seen news stories about like people like officers in the met who are like making memes about Sarah Everard the woman that a met officer like kidnapped and killed like because if you're saying it like one of them uh has some locker room talk and then like the others don't report him and then they all get in trouble I'm like okay that sounds strict I don't, don't I don't disagree that that's strict but I also don't know if I care that much on the other hand yeah. like if one of them is making a meme about Sarah Everard and shares it, and the others don't report that. I think all of them should be fired, and I, I like I don't disagree with that policy at all. Like that's completely legit.
2: I mean, it's like uh, that just sounds like having to deal with the HR department of any like modern (laughs) business or anything like that so i mean if that is like the standard of like oh they're quitting because you know they have to do that then it's like well congratulations you wouldn't survive in a
0: modern office environment like go you or whatever yeah that's what i mean about it being so doom-pilling to consider the notion of cops quitting either way around because it's either they're quitting for like normal reasons and they'll be replaced by a more fascist guy or they're quitting for reasons that make you go Jesus, like, like they're they're quitting, and you're glad they're going. But the reason they're going makes you go like, Jesus Christ, cops are pieces of shit. Like,
2: yeah, and <laughs> unfortunately, a lot of those guys, the ones that are, you know, like shitty cops that leave for these shitty reasons, end up being like prison guards and stuff. Um, right, and literally. Some, yeah, yeah. Some experiences with them, and like, yeah, it's it's wild. And there's um, a pretty. Like, yeah, there's been some pretty um, rough stuff coming out over the last few years, uh, particularly with like the guards in Circo prisons. Circo are like a giant corporation that owns prisons all over the world. and even um actually, some of the worst stuff I've seen was about the um Australian offshore detention facilities for refugees and stuff, where it's like they were just openly like a lot of openly fascist guards, people that were legitimately going to you know and this is like when um a bunch of like um anti-fascists kind of exposed the kind of telegram group telegram groups of a bunch of um australian you know far-right groups whatever they had people like recruiting in there basically being like i work for this thing where we you know we go there and we basically get to do whatever we want to these people these refugees that are caged up and there's like everything from like extreme like you know extreme sexual assaults and sexual crimes and stuff like that through to just like you know like obviously just you know like the racism and just you know violence and just every kind of bad shit and so these people are in there being like yeah you know like that's sick i'm gonna sign up specifically for those reasons you know and there's people there that were like ex-cops um you know like ex-security guards all these kind of things being like wow this is a place where you know like i can fucking flourish and it's like you know and i'm kind of gonna make you think about the well i mean like obviously people people that are here probably already thinking about the nature of prisons in these in that way but um yeah i think if you if you weren't already thinking about that i think that's a pretty good indicator about the link yeah when
0: we when we talked to prisoner solidarity network right they were saying that like the um the prison Guards union fucking scum um we're, we're, we're like famously had been recruiting from national front in the 80s and now are recruiting from like edl or whatever like same same, same exact stuff, exact same thing yeah yeah mm-hmm. so it's kind of like you know like
2: uh the there's there's a place like our society
0: has carved out a place for these people you know and they'll find it yeah, yeah. the one thing is Cops are going to be shittier and shittier over time. Uh, inevitable decline of the boys in blue. Oh, no. Um, and then the other the other two are like, the weather is going to be absolutely fucking punishing in summers when there are more protests and more people out. And then also everyone's going to be more agitated because it's going to be hotter. So yeah, protests are going to be more dangerous. And I think that's worth people knowing. Um, I don't think it's worth people being deterred from going to protests because like the shit that they're going to be protesting is still going to be really important stuff but like you know um one thing i did want to touch on was kettling because like we talked before we talked about like protest and riot tactics how police uh kettle protesters tim you are a local kettling expert <laughs> i've kind of been
2: like yeah 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 like i've been promoted into that position over <laughs> months,
1: well tim um, has a really really great video on his channel on his youtube channel about kettling i highly highly recommend it it's not only is it really good it's also like really visually awesome. Like it's really
2: pretty.
1: (laughs) It's like a really pretty video.
2: Yeah. And we did that uh, episode on protest and riot tactics with the Nancy's Library. That was one of our very first episodes where we talked about a lot of that kind of stuff. So um, yeah, Kettling is an old police and military uh, tactic. It goes, yeah, it goes way back. Like a lot of people kind of trace the name back to like World War Two, but it's like a tactic that has gone back even further than that just in other names um and so the idea is think about a kettle um you know like a little pot on the stove with water um and heat is being applied to it and it makes uh, the water boil on the inside um and so that's basically like if you can imagine the water on the inside is the protesters and the kettle around them is the cops, um, you know, they're the the wall around it. And the idea is to, to block off all entries and ex- exits, hold the people, uh, hold the protests on the inside and gradually apply pressure. Sometimes they'll just move in slowly. Sometimes they'll just sit there and then the pressure is time. You know, it's like food, water, um, you know, you being able to use a bathroom, things like that um there's plenty of ways that they can you know like apply pressure um even yeah just like literally using like you know like the like rubber pellets and uh gas and things like that just hurling them into the protesters and spraying them and stuff so um you know there's all these things that they can do um and it is like it's really dangerous because obviously you can get really badly hurt you can get dehydrated all these kind of things but it's also um a really powerful psychological tactic. Um, back in World War II, they used to call it kettle fever, where people that are trapped in a seemingly hopeless situation like this uh, it will start behaving irrationally, erratically, um, putting themselves and others in danger. Um, and that is obviously beneficial to, you know, the kettlers, the cops, because, you know, they want examples of, protesters being violent. They want people breaking ranks to do things to, you know, like and even like uh, another thing with kidding kittle, kittle fever is people um turning on each other inside there. You know, like a real kind of yes kinda of like Lord of the Flies sort of thing, like trapped in a
0: in a um, shitty situation and people I know all... that book. Those those kids fall in a big kettle. Yeah. It's really bad. Yeah, yeah, but, yeah, yeah. 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 They all <laughs> turn on each other. Yeah. And
2: um yeah, so you know, like uh it's just like a really it's like the worst situation you want to be in. Usually it is done by uh, police will kind of um I guess put like try and channel a group of protesters by blocking off roads or, you know, like avenues of escape or whatever, so that they will just gradually like kind of push them in towards a block where um ideally they want to be they want to be the 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 barriers of the kettle, they want to be mainly kind of like walls, businesses, infrastructure, things like that, with as few kind of cops guarding each point as possible, you know. So often they'll um they'll plan it out in advance. They'll be like, okay, if um if uh March is going through this area, we want to you know, try and stop them here or we'll put up barriers around these areas or whatever. So it's really, um, if you are organizing some kind of protest or march or like that, it's really important that you, you know the area really well. You know, the people that are organizing it should have a good knowledge of, you know, where the possible kind of choke points are, where the, you know, anything like that. Um, and also just uh, the people kind of will there's like the psychological barrier of seeing, like, you know, walking down the street and you're seeing it a side street and there's just like some little concrete barrier things that it's like, you could walk past them if you want, but you don't, you just keep walking down the road. Seeing things like that on the side is a good indicator that it's like, or even, you know, just sometimes it's just like, just a cop car parked. It's like, okay, they're, they're trying to channel you down this way. They've put those there so that you keep walking down this way and that's the point where you kind of go like well maybe we need to go that way instead you know um because yeah they're trying to channel you in and generally they want to kettle a group away from um like a high value target you know like if this is like a a you know a, a protest that has a goal like you know say we're going to go like if it's a a purchase about wealth inequality or whatever, we're going to go down to the financial district and we're going to go, you know, we're going to go just like hang out in front of wall street or whatever
0: like that. Just chill out and just, just be there peacefully and just hang out and just, just do nothing and just have a good time.
2: Yeah. Yeah. They just, they, they don't want you to get there and they, or they don't want you to occupy that space where it's like, you could, um, you know, you could affect the, you know business or whatever like that um or you could you know be throwing bricks or anything like that they they want to keep you away <laughs> from that so they um they'll, they generally try to kettle people in um you know smaller streets so that even like you know just in terms of impeding traffic and stuff they want you know to keep the main streets free they want to keep you away from high value targets they want to um yeah just try and get you in a spot that is going to take like as little uh, manpower for them to control so that they can even if they have a limited number of cops, they can, you know, do shifts and all this kind of stuff. Because in some of the bigger cases, like with the George Floyd Floyd protests and stuff
0: like that, there have been maneuvers like this that have like have lasted for days, you know? Um well the cops out on um on uh, when the Roe v wave was overturned and like cops are just yeah, like yeah. policing every street corner just to stop anyone from even congregating.
2: Yeah yeah and um and so the people inside the kettle obviously can't take shifts whereas the cops can you know yeah. so um yeah yeah so that's something to be really uh careful of the um yeah there's once you're inside a kettle the main thing is really just uh trying to stay calm and um the usually like if you're going to an event that may Turn into something like this it's good to like you know to obviously like stay hydrated everything take water bottles with you take snacks all this kind of stuff because um yeah like that's the thing right like they they want you to they want you to be hungry and thirsty and you know like even if just like um even if you don't you haven't been killed for long you and but if you don't know how long it's going to be that's when people start getting kind of a little bit frantic a little bit anxious and stuff but if you have those things like if you have water if you have snacks it's not just like the physical thing of like oh you have something to eat you have something to drink but it can be like really reassuring for i mean for yourself but also for people around you and stuff to be like oh it's okay so bought muesli bars or something like that we can just chill out
1: for Sure, and, you know, for sure i brought
0: gummies actually yeah yeah yeah. so that but no one like, should have them in the kettle <laughs> Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. Um, yeah.
0: i definitely wanted to touch on that that's that that is really vital like and that's something that's like especially as we think about because i think we should think about protest tactics uh as they stand and that we should also just be thinking about like the same protest tactics but we assume that each successive year it's happening in a a, a much warmer summer right like um the same thing becomes way more true, right? It's like, it's like now, okay, cool. If you bring, if you bring a couple of bottles of water with you, like you do wind up getting kettle, then like, cool. You've got like something to drink for yourself. And i uh, uh, unfortunate to say it, but like an empty container once you've then drunk it um, and, you know, maybe water for someone else, but it's like in, in, you know, m- maybe next year, maybe the year after, like really, maybe everyone should bring a bottle of water, like, uh, and, and snacks, like you say, you know?
2: So all of those kind of things help, not just for, you know, like the actual practical application, but also just for morale and stuff. Um, there are tactics for breaking out of a kettle. It's kind of one of those things where it's like you, in most cases, because a kettle, a kettle maneuver is actually illegal in a lot of places. And in, in some places it's considered like a war crime and all this kind of stuff. So there have been people that have been kettled, in big cities and protests where, uh, you know, like um, you get people that are lawyers that will work specifically with protesters and things like that, it's, you know, like that's kind of their thing who will go to court and, you know, basically take the police to court while this is happening and be like, this is illegal. They can't do that. And then have to deliver the paperwork to the police. And then the police have to disband sort of thing like that. And so that is, um, that's sometimes how it goes down. Or you know like other similar kind of legal maneuvers or even just like with press attention sometimes they'll be like oh shit we shouldn't be on video doing this sort of thing um so you know like the cops will just for optics reasons stop but um yeah there's there's there are ways to kind of break out of it that involve like creating this is like you know this is kind of stuff that you we're not recommending anyone ever does this inside
0: of a kettle because this is illegal behavior and this, this is, is what like illegal wrong-, wrong say yeah yeah, is, yeah but is, like you just please tell us what do yeah. the scoundrels say
2: people people have said that the um that a, a good tactic is to draw police att- or security attention to one p- specific point on the kettle an effort to um to spread out the presence and other points of the kettle where you can um then so you you know creating um, a distraction on one side everyone all the cops kind of get together and so they spread out on another side and um, and that's where you kind of puncture through and have to get out um, the problem is though that it's not if you just get out you're one person that's escaped a kettle the main thing is really just to break the police line so that you can open it up get either get everyone out or um, if it is supposed to be a long-term occupation, you know, like an Occupy Wall Street kind of thing or whatever like that, you want to be able to, like, this sounds like real, like, army shit, but you want to be able to establish a, a supply line.
0: Nope, that's really important to say. We need we need to be thinking that way about protests, I think, from now on, like, that that we need, yeah, to 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 have supply lines if we expect it to go on for any kind of long time. Exactly
2: um, and even if it's just like a temporary thing, like bust out and you know maybe you've got like a mutual aid network that can supply you know like bottles of water and things like that to get them into people that that need them or whatever, or even just like you know like um just uh you, you know you get like a lot of volunteers that do like medical um medical aid and stuff like that, like a you know like the classic anarchist street medic kind of um they you know and like a lot of the time it's like those people are really um. Really helpful really necessary to kind of get in there even if it's you know not for like you know someone who's been been up by a cop or anything like that but just like people that are inside a kettle that are like might even be like having an anxiety attack or going into shock or something like that and um yeah you know like the presence of someone that is like trained in the um in medical care and stuff like that is pretty vital so um yeah
1: by the way um I, I don't know if this is as I mean, this is always an issue and I don't know, I don't think it's as much of an issue with our audience, but, um, there are people that when they attend these protests or when they think about even attending, think about it, um, they kind of visualize themselves as like the hero of the protest, but all the, all the tactics we're discussing right now are all about people working as a collective, caring about each other, bringing food for one another, you know, like maybe the distraction being caused, the scoundrel, for instance, the illegal scoundrel causing a distraction over there to help the other people. Um, And it's all about working together as a community. We keep seeing this, this theme research over and over and over again. It's all about coming together as a community to work together for the the greater good for everyone. um, And not to be a hero. I know we talked about this prior, like when we, when we had our protests, um, show i don't i really am pretty certain that our audience doesn't need to hear it but you never know
2: yeah i think that's like a a really important thing to understand um especially like i always find that the people that want to be their heroes at protests and stuff are very much like the weekend warrior kind of types like the people that like aren't very like involved in you know like any kind of like wider projects or like aren't really like known to, you know, like but any of the.
0: If you if you were going to do the the distraction and then push for a weaker points uh, tactic, that's where that person comes in. Uh, you yeah, can yeah, tell yeah. them, "Hey, we we really need a distraction, and that'll be the most important person here. That'll that that would that would really help us." So a much. Very
1: good point.
0: We would be forever in your debt.
2: <laughs> yeah. To be honest, like the distraction doesn't necessarily have to be like someone like going and like, you know, picking a fight like, with the cops on the line and stuff like that. A lot of the time, yeah. a lot of a lot of noise and um giving the giving the you know the kitlers, the cops security or whatever like that, the idea that something might happen over that end, you know, where they're like, Oh, look, it looks like they're gearing up for over there. They've got the, you know, like the the people with the drums are over that side and they're chanting something and it looks like, you know, whatever. And then, um, you know, and then that can be enough for them to kind of like redistribute their manpower. So, um, yeah, um, that's, that's Kittling. Um I can't, I don't know if I've got anything else that's super relevant to talk about. Yeah. I just thought it was (laughs) probably the most,
0: I thought it was probably the most relevant part of the protest and riot tactics specifically to us discussing like the hotter summers. Um, yeah, yeah. um, yeah, I I guess I'd like to reiterate the thing about supply chains. I genuinely think we need to think like people going to protests need to think of that in those terms. Like, are you bringing supplies? Are you bringing enough supplies to help yourself? Are you bringing enough supplies to help you and your comrades? Uh, do you have any plan for how you would get supplies to move if like you needed to move them to somewhere? I think those are all like logistical questions are going to be the ones that like make or break different protest movements as they, as they form.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, things like, um, first aid kits and everything like that, where it's like, okay, like literally like the more the merrier, you know, like just like as, as many things like that that you can bring, um, like yeah, you, know, you might never, you might never even have to take it out of your bag or anything like that. But just like having it there, it's not just the the fact that you might need to use it on yourself or anything like that. But someone else there might need it, and you know, like some, something might happen to someone you, you know, and then it's like, okay, well, actually, I have that in my bag, sweet cool you know instead of having yeah. to like spend time running around being
0: like has anyone got a first aid kit it's like you've got it you've got everything you need being the person with a ton of medical supplies on them is not is never going to be a bad look at the protest yeah, yeah. yeah. Go for it.
1: um one thing i wanted to point out is one of those things that definitely needs to be supplied and pre- preferably have you know in, in supply by other people um masks masks mm. not just for covid yeah. but also for good um opsec you know, mm-hmm. like everyone should be masking at these things. Everyone. Yeah. Mm. You don't want your face exposed. You don't want to be caught by any of their, you know, body cams, etc. Yeah. And also COVID, which is still a thing. It's still killing people in mass. FI to anyone who needs who forgot.
2: Yeah. During COVID, there were a couple big protests over here. So there was one at the start of the lockdowns. So there was the Black Lives Matter thing was kicked up the George Floyd Uprising was happening in the States. And there was like a solidarity march. Um, down here. And everyone showed up masked. It was an outdoor march, and people were masked. A lot of people were wearing gloves and stuff as well. And there was like no no word of any kind of COVID transmission or anything like that. Whereas then the um the anti-lockdown um big convoy thing like that, they were all unmasked and stuff. And they were like literally like you know, putting out videos. All like super sick, like COVID symptoms, like literally blaming some kind of like government has, Havana syndrome sort of thing. And it's just like this is a difference. It's like everyone at the George Floyd protests, or you know, like the solidarity thing, they wore masks and everyone was fine. No one, you know, like it was. It was all good. The people that didn't wear masks, like, immediately getting very sick. Um, but that was,
0: you know, who knows? Government heat ray, mind. We training. had the, we had the same exact thing here. Um, I think I re- remember reading about it happening in several several different U.S. states as well. Like, people could measure there was not transmission between these well-masked, well distanced protests.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, so yeah, it's very important, <laughs> super important. Not just for yeah, not just for COVID, but also for hiding your face. In case, um, yeah, because like we've talked about recently, especially with the Posey Parker kind of things, um, not just the cops, you know, kind of recording everything to see if they can, you know, charge you with something, but the the fashy nerds, the, the brown shirts or whatever that show up to 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 counter protest or whatever they're doing, having a rally, or whatever, they love to film as much as they can at the Posey Parker. Things over here they had like three a bunch of them had 360 cameras filming everyone around and then spent you know they spent time afterwards like going through the video footage tracking down people trying to find out who they were harassing them at their workplaces all this kind of stuff so um
1: wow
2: yeah so masking is important for many many reasons
0: yeah it's also worth mentioning on that because i feel like we're we it's important not to leave things like lopsided um it is like there are places where they do stuff and we need to do the same stuff There are the places where like they do stuff cause they're fascists and we don't need to, we don't need to do that. But mm-hmm. like, um, you know, them going, them like combing through social media footage or footage they've captured themselves a ton, uh, to try to like find people's identities and, and, and harass them, um, is obviously ghoulish. Um, when this, when this stuff like, you know, like today at the, the Posey Parker demo, uh, obviously like that that Nazi like went to agitate people and then uh was in a fight um you know it's like we we need Austin on our side as well we need people doing sorry that's open source intelligence right like people going through stuff that is publicly available um to like you know but yeah for the for the example today like if there's another angle on that on that like uh scuffle happening I'm I'm fairly sure that other angle is going to show like that guy starting the fight right but like I can't know that uh unless you know people find people find another angle on it. So it's like it's it's important stuff on a lens.
2: Well, yeah, that happened over here, you know, like yeah, the same thing with the Posey Parker thing. There was like a bunch of footage that um a bunch of you know, shitty people put up being like, "Oh, look, here's um, you know, like here's a TRA punching a person or whatever like that." And then it's like you see the footage and it's like, "Okay, well, you know, here we can see it from their own footage." from multiple angles
0: they were agitating that person for ages and ages yeah
2: or you just see this person going up and you know like hitting someone else so there was like some old dude that was like going around choking people and stuff and then it's like you only see you only see when the people like hit back right like yeah should we um maybe move along to the next? Yeah, point cool. Uh,
0: the next one might might be fairly quick, but I th- I just want us to touch on like food security because I think it's just really important for us to think about it. Um, as the climate is changing, like as, as especially like in the context of heat waves in summer, um, like a lot of food uh, gets like. A lot of food gets imported uh, through channels of imperialism. A lot of food is also like willfully exported uh, as like we've discussed about this before, like American foreign aid, uh, which actually isn't aid and just like crashes people's domestic markets and shit like (laughs) this. Um, But like, you know, international food relations are quite significant part of geopolitics. There's also like just, you know, countries needing to feed themselves and all of that will be put under strain uh, with like massive droughts happening. Right. So, um, Um, we reported this a few weeks ago on, on, on the news section, uh, that there was like new satellite imaging from like, I I guess, infrared imaging, uh, of, uh, Europe to try to tell like how much groundwater there was beneath it. And before people had previously thought that Europe had like quite, you know, quite, quite a, a sufficient amount of it, but it was actually like quite insufficient, which means that like a lot of Europe is likely to be in quite permanent drought after, like, two degrees of warming. Um, that's going to have a massive, massive effect on how much, like, mm. uh, European states can, can feed themselves. Um, we've also been covering, like, the mega basins uh, in France for a little while. Uh, and I think that people, like, it's a bit of a weird one to talk through, like, why people are so mad about it. Because basically, like, these are projects that are going to uh, establish, like, state-controlled channels of, like water to be able to feed crops to feed people um and like one of the obvious like reasons people are mad about it is that like it's massive disruption to the local ecology and it's massive like it drains water from from the uh immediate area uh into these into these reservoirs so that the same water can then like feed the uh like large-scale corporate farming um but i think it's i think it's really important to see that from the point of view of like um these states are aware that this kind of change is happening and they're 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 ensuring that their own channels of trying to feed people will be protected and at the same time like just cruelly and shittily like cutting off anybody else from being able to feed themselves and establish any kind of food security themselves as well i think that's like because because when we talk about food it's like this is such a huge place where people you know should like people people are going to be looking towards ways to feed themselves, and I think it's worth considering like the protests against the mega basins. One of them, one of the things behind it is like about food sovereignty and about people being able to feed themselves without the systems of the state in place. And when the state like very very literally gathers like a resource up and all up into one place, like that's literally what they're doing. Like they're getting all the water and just being like it's in our reservoir. Um, you know that's yeah that's a that's like i don't know i i think that we've covered it with to some confusion a few times over the mega basins thing i think it's like quite relevant to say that it's also going to be like another thing that's driving uh, refugee crises and it's going to be another thing that's like making um international relations worse and worse is like either countries being without food and needing the support or like countries who previously supplied some kind of crop that they can't supply because of climate change
2: Yeah, and um, one thing that uh, is kind of, like, I think has been going on for a while in the Imperial periphery is, um, like, companies like Coca-Cola and stuff, like, there's, like, a whole bunch, have been, um, you know, like, bottling water in places like India and stuff, right? Where they just, like, literally just, like, suck up all the water to make Coke or whatever like that. It's like, okay, so over there, yeah, you can... You buy a lot of coke, but you there's no water to drink or, you know, whatever. And um it's like this is yeah, this is happening out in the Imperial periphery now and it's and it that when it has been like literally for decades.
0: Like one of the most famous protests that Gandhi did was just going and panning for salt in Indian uh bodies of water because the British Empire was like, No, we own all this salt and they were just like, well no, like it's our salt that's in our water. Like we should be able to just get it ourselves. That's the exact same thing, right?
2: Except, you know, in you know like now okay so it's been like coca-cola doing water or whatever and you know out in the periphery out in india and stuff like that so this is going to be like this is just going to be in the imperial core soon you know like this is going to be um whether it's a corporation or it's going to be you know like a a state-run kind of entity which may be a corporation you know functioning as an organ of the state whatever um and yeah it's going to be like it's not going to be um yeah you know it's going to be those things that are like vital for kind of like human survival or whatever that are just going to be um yeah rationed out by someone else or no but like the the, i think the the coca-cola stuff in india is like specifically oh it's like particularly really gross because it's like they're having all these droughts and everything like that it's just like we got plenty of coke you know and it's like oh god
0: horrid. yeah it's um to, like I, I say this all the time i know but like bill gates uh how to avoid a climate catastrophe like one of his sob stories that he conjures up is like a drought in india and there's like only a tiny trickle of water comes out of the pipe to feed these people's crops and that's all they get and it's just like it's a fascinating example to pick on because india has so much like uh corporate control of water specifically as a resource like it's not it's not just that it's a hot place so droughts happen like it's not as simple as that like Water is actually, or has historically been a plentiful resource. Um, and like India not only is there like the 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 control of the supply of clean water, like you're saying, like just reduced because like Coca-Cola is using it for for their products instead, but like um India is a place where neoliberalization has hit water in specific, like so hard that like if you live in a poorer neighborhood, it costs possibly like a hundred times as much to buy water as a utility than if you live in a richer neighborhood because they know that the people who live in the richer neighborhood like this is this is supply and demand right so this is literally like free market economics if people who are poorer are not going to be able to afford water as often you should charge them more To make more profits. And because they need it. They need it, right? So, but if people know that they, that they, uh, if people are rich and well off and they know that they could just, they could literally move house to a different neighborhood if in your neighborhood, like water is too expensive, then you should be in competition to offer the lowest price to the rich people. And that's where you literally wind up with this utterly, utterly backwards situation. Not to say that like water should be more expensive for rich people, there shouldn't be rich people, but like. It is, um, yeah. Looking at that inequality, it's the exact opposite of any kind of solution that you would want. It's mm-hmm. like it costs a hundred times more for for poor people. Yeah, yeah.
1: I also want to reiterate just a theme that that Sophia pointed out. It's expensive to be poor. It doesn't just apply to this one example. I think a lot of our audience can probably and have all sorts of personal stories to attest to this fact that it's expensive to be poor.
2: Yeah. I mean, there's like so many uh, there's so many good examples, but I always think about the um, the Terry Pratchett. Um, the Vimes Law. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's like a thing that's gone around in internet circles for years, but from a Terry Pratchett book with this, this guy, he's like a guard or whatever, and he has to buy boots to work in, but he can't afford to save up and buy the expensive boots that last for years. So he buys the cheap boots, which he ends up buying more cheap boots that wear out and it, like it costs him more than to buy the expensive boots but he just like he can't he doesn't have that much money in one at one time to mm-hmm. get right get the um yeah yep. to get the get the nice boots that will probably last him forever
0: a really obvious case of being of like being poor being like costing more is like there is a there is an end game for a mortgage right so like monthly payments on a house that you own has an end like you you can pay off a mortgage and like renting there is no like paying off and then like you 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 finish paying those payments like i don't know i think just mentioning food security was the the main thing i wanted to achieve in that discussion i don't know that i have big like poignant predictions or observations or whatever um so on to our final topic of this cheerful and upbeat episode fascists let's talk about fascists everyone as everything falls apart not everyone is going to respond by thinking we have to take care of each other some people sorry fascists are going to see this as a crisis in which they have to protect their own so fascist organizing is going to swell both in concert with the worsening climate crisis and with the authoritarian moves by the state um that's not like necessarily in response to authoritarian moves by the state because fascists love to paint themselves as like as being anti-authoritarian if it's like against a a covid lockdown or whatever but like No, as a state becomes more authoritarian, more citizens who are this kind of dickhead will see themselves as like deputized by the state to uphold law and order. They'll see they'll see that there must be chaos if the state is being so authoritarian. And if we always need more cops, because I'm constantly reading headlines about more cops, and I always see these politicians pledging to give us more cops, then clearly what the state needs is people to volunteer as cops. Yeah. So I will, I will be a vigilante and uphold law and order. Right?
2: We spoke about this um, the other week as well. The idea, like the hero myth, like, you know, like fascism kind of pushes this idea that like, you know, the everyday kind of like fascist enjoy fascism enjoyer um, is uh, kind of fed this myth that like you know, like every person becomes a hero, they become a cop, they become the, you know, it's like, they they're the vigilante they are the one that fucking you know the bathroom police the fucking whatever like um we're seeing a lot of that now especially with you know the whole kind of like social media kind of thing where it's like people are being encouraged to like film and harass people that you know like that are their ideological enemies or whatever like that so you know yeah like we've seen like a whole bunch of videos of people Kind of um you know going into target, going into wherever pouring out the bud light, destroying the pride stance, like harassing the you know the person going to the bathroom or whatever like that, and it's like this is the fascist you know this is the, the everyman hero that the the fascist believes himself to be or whatever and obviously they're just like a full kind of like you know embarrassing themselves or whatever but um you know then they jump back on into the telegram group and everyone's just like wow base like hell yeah you know you did it and it's yeah it's fucking yeah.
0: absolute brainworms, awful uh, yeah. I mean, what, what, what else is there to say? You said it perfectly. I think, um, I think one thing that's really worth saying is like, um, we have a concept of leftist direct action and we talk about it a lot on the show. Um, but it's always worth thinking that there, there is direct action in the worlds of other ideologies too. Uh, like to liberals, uh, you directly go to the ballot box and you vote for the nice guy (laughs) who's not bad and is nice. Uh, and that's a direct action. Um, no but in all seriousness like fascists view um for example the the refugee crisis as an invasion by uh, you know black and brown people from far away coming coming here to take all our jobs and use up all our free services um and so direct action to a fascist involves attacking uh, uh minorities and like in particular like We've seen examples in the UK and Ireland in the past year of um, organized fascist mobs setting fire to refugee centers, because that is a direct action to them. Because if there's one fewer refugee center for refugees to go to, then they've directly achieved their goals of there being fewer refugees housed, right? Um, Yeah, so like, I think that anti-fascism is like, I don't know, we we did an episode on anti-fascism a few weeks ago. It's always just worth restating like the importance of getting people to understand like how important it is and will only become more important to like oppose fascism in their everyday lives, as well as if possible, showing up to counter demos and telling them to fuck off.
2: Yeah, yeah. And, um, yeah, I mean, this all ties in together. Like, yeah, there's, um, the you know, the fascist kind of uh setting fire to refugee centers. I've also seen them harassing tent cities and stuff like that. So it's like, Absolutely, all yeah. together, like all the things that we've been talking about, like, there's gonna be more of that kind of thing you know there's going to be more um yeah like uh tent cities transitional housing all that kind of stuff and they're
0: going to become targets and for that matter queer people too obviously because like yeah, again, yeah, yeah in the mind of a fascist all queer people are pedophiles so it's direct action to attack queer people and attack like places that queer people feel safe because those are pedophile hubs where all the pedophiles are organizing to do all the pedophilia and not just like some people playing video games and smoking weed
1: in the meantime catholic church remains untouched by fascists right yeah yeah, yeah. so it's like
2: for us when we see like people that are like you know people that are homeless people that are unwell all this kind of things it's like okay from our worldview these are the symptoms of an unwell society because society is fucked and it pushes people into these shitty positions or whatever whereas like from their side they're like these people are the the cause of the symptoms you know like they've they're seeing it in reverse so they're like if we if we remove the um you know if we remove the poor if we remove the refugees or whatever then we go back to the 1950s where we get our you know like we get our government mandated housewife and our white picket fence and all that kind of shit like that so they're just like we got to you know we got to clean up the streets ourselves or whatever, as opposed to just like actually, you know, like having a brain and thinking like, okay, well, you know, these people weren't born on the streets or whatever. Like how did they get there? What happened? Yeah. It's something we're definitely going to see a lot more of. And I think it's going to be, yeah, especially coming up soon. I feel like it's going to be more of an, you know, it's going to be something that we're going to, she talked about a lot more in like election issues and stuff. Like I think, especially in local politics, like I know that in um, places like California and stuff, it's like a really big issue and like, yeah, New York and stuff as well, where it's like the homeless population has just like ballooned over the last couple of years. Um, I don't know what it's like in your cities, but over here, yeah. The homeless population is, has just shot right up. Noticeably right. Everything, the, the lockdowns, like COVID um, cost of living stuff. Like there's, you know, like that. We, you know, housing crisis, all this kind of stuff is getting worse and worse. And, um, you know, like people, like even just like you know, even even liberals used to just be able to pretend that it wasn't a problem. We had
0: enough. We we just had a propaganda episode. You know, one one thing about one thing about propaganda and frameworks of propaganda, where like you don't think of it as um especially you know a piece of propaganda but rather the entire system of news media like has a has an agenda a bias and an ideology right like one thing about that is it's not just about what is said but what is unsaid and so like they can cover that there's like right they they might even cover rising homelessness rates then they may they may well cover that there is a housing crisis right uh they may even talk about like effects of climate change on the on the housing market or whatever but it's like bringing these points together like would lead you to inevita- like absolutely inevitable conclusions about the system and the way it's not working or more more sinisterly like the ways that it is working and it's like you know to, but to say climate change which is being caused by business as usual is you know leading to this massive housing crisis which is leading to a lot more homeless people because again like what's left unsaid because if you cover that there is a housing crisis and you cover, there are a lot of homeless people, like you're not necessarily saying the housing crisis, isn't just people not sure where they can move to or paying too much rent. It's people being made to live on the street, right? Like, um, you, you know, drawing those things together, like I say, like is, is something that I think that a lot of the liberal news media is anathema to and, um, and yeah so i think that it's really important for us to to state it like plain and clearly like when you're seeing um uh the the like unhoused population expanding it's it's for direct and measurable reasons um and not just like incidentally oh boy where did all these homeless people come from yeah yeah Um, yeah
1: i think that's something that liberals like to do with that what is not being said part i mean there's the implications of of all the things they've you know all the propaganda that already swirls around them that doesn't have to be explicitly said but i think it's also um if there's no exact reasoning given it's it's akin to what you're saying it's like oh it's just like the weather like housing prices are increasing there's more homeless people and it's always it's always stated in this like very passive way as if the weather is just homelessness increasing and inflation going up and stuff
0: Right, totally. It's it's um. We talked about Fortress Europe a few weeks ago as well. Like, I I think that like, um, and we were just talking about water scarcity. So I may as well conjure the image of uh Immortan Joe from Mad Max, right? Saying D- don't become addicted to water. Like, that's I think you know from my from from my end of things on on our Red Planet Zoom call right now. Like, that's very how Europe looks. Is like it's specifically climate behemoth. When we talk about the the four, four planetary futures, like future politics that Jill, Joel Wenwright and Jeff Mann talk about in Climate Leviathan. After the capitalist countries trying to establish a, a sustainable capitalism that can stop climate change, Climate Leviathan, next they talk about people, like uh, uh, state politics shifting to try to be isolationist and hoard resources for themselves. And I think that like, between like the mega basins, the refugee crisis, the housing crisis, the, the, and the fascists, like, When you're looking at Fortress Europe with these factors, it's like, cool, like, uh, hyper militarized borders and a massive political focus on who is allowed in and who isn't right and therefore like which like what rights are afforded to citizens and who gets to be citizens you got like a, a ton of displaced people uh not just the ones at the borders but internally displaced as well you have a ton of fucking fascists who are the like the the zealots of the fortress who are like walking around like voluntarily trying to enforce law and order as they see it you know um Though the 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 yeah i, I just and, and then as as we we're saying like you know a control over previously abundant resources like clean water it's um yeah that's that those are describing describing the features of climate behemoth uh the kind of yeah isolationist uh resource hoarding mad max ass nonsense yeah. uh uh yeah and i think that like the the thing to me is like it's all i think there's a certain amount of devolution happening where like um there there was a project to build like world orders uh at the turn of the millennia just now and like it's rapidly fall like falling to shit more and more in the face of climate change um and i think that like i i'm not saying i i welcome the shift between like the uh liberal multicultural uh uh, world order of everything's great and it's the end of history and whatever to (laughs) into like fascist climate behemoth politics not at all like it fucking sucks but like it does represent a a devolution where they they had one bigger cohesive project that they were looking to do and it's it's very clearly crumbling into large but much smaller pieces and like i think crucially like the gaps in between there are going to be the places where people uh, are are caught into being able to form new kinds of things, because like the dead center of those, of those, those crumbled pieces are still going to be the strongest, most cohesive parts of their ideology and their structure and their climate behemoth. But the people who are around the fringes, right. Refugees who are being kept on the edges of of fortress Europe, displaced people, people who are targeted based on their identity are going to be the people who are, um, Effectively pushed to the margins, and that those are the people where a uh, kind of revolutionary society is going to grow. That's a pretty good summation. <laughs> Thanks.
2: Do we have any uh, audience questions? I have
0: not um, oh, um, just got one. Okay. Do you guys know about some things we can give to the homeless to help cope with heat? I feel like it'd be mostly the same stuff you'd mentioned bringing to protests, like water and sunscreen. Says Sky Glittering. Uh yeah, well I mean, so
2: water and sunscreen, great. Um yeah it's i mean it is it is just basic stuff right i would say um the best thing is always just like i mean like so you can you can have things on you that you just give to homeless people if you see them or there's the approaches that you can just ask them and you can just be like hey is there anything you need Um, most of the time i think it's going to be money um that's generally what's kind of like um the most useful because then you know they can like spend it as their needs arise um but uh yeah i think yeah things like water and stuff are always always useful especially on like a really hot day um you know like uh yeah i think water um yeah i mean i would say the the main thing is if you if you really want to you know check in with them and make sure they're okay just ask them just be like hey is there anything anything i can help you out with right now um i know people that have like you know bought um like uh so we call them jandals but you know other countries call them flip-flops um yeah they're sandals made from jeans that's right yeah 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 (laughs) um yeah so you know i just bought them for people you know and just being like hey like you know what what size you? you want some you know if you see someone who has like you know like barefoot and it's like a really hot day um the concrete's super hot
0: all that kind of stuff you know um just yeah stuff like that um for that matter like if you if you are buying people clothes like buying buying people clothes is 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 also really good because like um as well there's not just sunscreen but like sunscreen runs out right whereas if you had like a a big baggy long sleeve t-shirt like you'd be covered from the sun um for as long as you're wearing it you know like stuff like that it's also kind of help people
1: we have another question uh if we're done with this particular one Mm -hmm. okay Okay. prince and says um um what's the best practice when witnessing homeless people being harassed by police
2: um i think one thing um you can do is even just to like be there and to be like you know, and just to check in the, with the person and be like, you know, see that they're okay or whatever. Cause, like, if, you know, usually you'll get it, like, they'll be like hanging out on the street or whatever. And, you know, they might be sitting or lying down somewhere and the cops will be kind of standing over them and stuff like that. And you can just go up and just be like, hey, what's going on here? You know, like, are you all right, man? Like, you know, just
0: kind of chicken and be around. Acting like a friend who already knows them, I think is like, a, a, as an attitude tip, like, I'm not, I'm not saying pretending to be, I just mean like the confidence to hit the situation with is like acting like, you know, yeah, yeah. you're totally on their side.
2: And if, if, if it's in an area that you frequent, like somewhere by your work, you can just be like, oh, yeah, no, like, like, I know this guy's around here often, he's, he's fine, like, you know, he's chill or whatever, and just be like, hey, what's up? And, you know, if they say, oh, we're moving him along, because, you know, he can't hang out here and stuff like that, you know, like, if, if you're comfortable with it, you can be like, hey, well, how about, you know, like, I'll, you know, like, I'm gonna hang out with him here for a minute like that and then we'll you know maybe we'll go for a walk we'll go like down the block or something like that um you know whatever because i don't know it's like it it does depend though because like i definitely know almost people that i've been in a situation before where they are like i i want to go in the cells you know like if it especially if it's like when the weather's really bad and stuff there are homeless people who like they'll be like well if i if i go in the cells that's a better night than it is out here so i think it's always worth just kind of checking in and being like hey you know you okay what's going on and stuff and just making sure that they are being like you know even if they are going to be detained and even if they're okay with that that they're still not just getting harassed by cops and they're not getting pushed around or anything like that yeah um i would say in regards to filming it you might want to be careful because that can also kind of be like a bit of a violation of someone's dignity sort of thing yeah um if you can you could ask them you could be like hey um is it all right if i if i film you because i don't think what the cops are doing here is fair i think like in most situations i've seen with the cops harassing homeless people um it has been kind of like a slower thing where they just kind of will just you know come over and have a talk for a while and they're just like all right buddy what we're going to do is this sort of thing and so it is pretty like it's possible to intervene and just talk and just you know even just like if you're comfortable talking with the cops be like hey well you know is
0: that necessary do you need to do that you know like whatever um Another thing is um, for, for like, support for people who are being arrested in general, like, if if that is the way that the situation is going, like, there are various resources that uh, you can find out in your local area for, like, people who do the kind of legal support, for example, um, and other resources that are, are good for people who, like, you know, might need to use their phone call, basically. And, like, if you know those kinds of things, being able to tell those to someone before they are taken in by the cops is really good. yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah,
2: it's um, it can be hard because, um, yeah, especially dealing with people that are sleeping rough and have been for a long time. Yeah, there are a lot of people that it's just like, like they know the drill and they're like, they're fine to get arrested. And they, you know, sometimes actually they're like, yeah, this is what I want or whatever. So be really careful about like, you know, running in and trying to white knight sort of thing and stuff. Like you should always just check in and be like, hey, are you okay? what's happening here are you you know like do you need help and stuff like I mean it's always like you know we always see, say, say fuck the police fuck prisons all of that kind of shit but um just make sure that you you know like you're respecting the the agency of the person that you know like this homeless person instead of just assuming that you know what's Best for them, or what you want to do, or whatever like that. The best thing is always just to check in with them, and this applies, I think, to um, you know, like people. I saw there was like a thing on Twitter a while back in New Zealand Twitter where someone got really just like really pissed off, really kind of like had a big whinge on Twitter because she like she bought some homeless guy some food, and I think he was like vegetarian or something like that, and he's like, "Oh, sorry, I'm not going to eat it." And she, you know, had this big thing, which is like, "Oh, he's ungrateful" or whatever like that, and it's just like, man, like. You could have just asked them. You could have just said, like, hey, what's up? Do you want some food? If so, you know, do you have any, you know, do you have a dietary preference or, like, a, even just, like, you know, do you have any medical conditions? Like, is there anything you can't eat or whatever?
1: Like, homeless people aren't NPCs on, on, along the along the way to our journey through a fucking, you know, main character experience. Yeah, they're like, not there for you
2: to, like, fucking launder your karma or anything like yeah, that.
1: Yeah, right. Like,
2: fucking, just talk to them. Just have a chat. And, um, yeah, you know, and I, I see people in the chat saying that sometimes they feel a little bit safe, unsafe in those situations. So yeah, obviously you always like, you know, prioritize your own safety, but, um, yeah, still, sometimes it's even just, just observing and just, you know, like having the cops know that you're observing them is, um, can be, you know, can be something. There's not nothing. Anyway, um... Yeah, sweet. Let's uh see.
0: Have we got anything else? Or is I think that's that might be I believe that's us. So shall we talk about the Patreon? Kira's favorite we thing. Should. Yeah.
1: I love the Patreon. That's
0: I love the fun. Patreon. It's it, it it feeds Conrad. That's very important.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> it does. Um so
2: for those of you that are new here, um You if you like the show, if you wanna if you wanna see more of it, if you want our producer Conrad to you know be able to buy meals and survive, um, you can jump on over to patreon.com slash red underscore planet. And uh, we've got a bunch of different tiers. For different kinds of, you know, uh, different amounts that all give you different benefits. The first one we've got is sprite mode. So that's, uh, I think it's $2 American a month. For me, it's uh, $3.50 in New Zealand dollars. And so with sprite mode, you can uh, get started with your support for Red Planet by becoming a sprite. And the benefits include the sacred and forbidden knowledge that you are helping the Red Planet team. Uh, early access to VODs and access to the Red Planet Discord. So, um, yeah, we've got our own little Discord set up. We can hang out and chat. We have different channels for memes, games, all that kind of stuff. Um, but if you want to pay a little bit more, um, Kira, what's the next step up?
1: Oh, that's Goblin Mode for 10 Ooh. American dollars a month or um, what in New Zealand dollars? So
2: that is $17.50. $17.50, and
1: then pounds?
0: $8.50.
1: Thank you, Sophie. Um, Everyone loves a goblin. We all get a little goblin mode from time to time. Complete your gobology by going goblin mode with everything from the sprite mode that Tim just described, and a pack of cool Red Planet stickers for you to stick in legal places and only in places like that. And access to exclusive red planet discord hangouts which we should be having another one of those soon
2: yeah 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 we should yep absolutely yeah
0: it's
1: really fun we watch movies and we uh chat about uh what we're watching and it's 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 a really good time so if you are a goblin you have access to those but what if i wanted to give a little bit more sophie
0: more than a goblin more than a goblin wanted to be to be more than goblin mode you'd have to go beast mode beast mode is 17 pounds a month uh is it 20 dollars is it 25
1: dollars a month yeah $20. $20 a month.
0: what about what about you what about new zealand uh, Thirty four fifty. wow okay cool um I love economics, right. <laughs> <laughs> Holy shit, are you actually going to go beast mode? Well, then we can offer you all the stuff from the lower tiers and pin badges. yep, pin badges wear your excellent new red planet pin badge literally everywhere it is completely cool and good to do. Uh, so just to you know reiterate that includes access to the discord and the discord hangouts and the stickers as well as well as just supporting us. but yeah. there is more than beast mode. Um, <gasps> Tim, huh? what could be what could be more than beast mode? Um, so until we establish the higher
2: Tesla mode for the, um, (laughs) the Tesla owners we were talking about earlier, um, the highest (laughs) mode at the moment is sicko mode, which is, uh, $100 a month American, 172 New Zealand. And I'm going to guess, is it 85? Fucking nailed it. Yes. Absolutely uh, fucking nailed it. I knew it was going to be around there um Incredible. and so if you support us this much we can only reason really reasonably offer you all the stuff from the lower tiers plus a very special thank you message at the end of the stream so thank you so much to jvp and marilyn starfire our, our resident sickos um Disgusting. thanks for keeping the lights on in conrad's basement. and um you know, uh yeah, we might, um, we might, we might, if we get a little bit more, we might allow some, like, perhaps a, a small
0: heater. Um, mm, mm, you know. mm. we'll see, we'll see how we go. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm torn between us giving Conrad some kind of chair and maybe buying him a standing desk. I don't know which I find more. <laughs> yeah. uh, I
2: think be a standing solution. desk is better for pr- productivity.
0: So, um, that's what I've heard. Yeah, let's yeah, go with okay. the standing desk. Okay, cool, mm-hmm. cool, cool, cool. Um, but just uh, having to figure out what kind of stool to get him. So it's fine. Yeah, yeah seriously though we are
2: trying to get up a little bit more if we get um the next tier we will be able to um take on an editor so we'll yeah. get someone that will be um editing all our videos and clips and stuff which frees up you know more time from conrad and then from also um you know just all of us in general like that would be a huge thing uh it also would mean that um we'd be able to afford to do a little bit more stuff like we've talked for a while about actually getting out of filming content kind of more like documentary yeah. content and stuff absolutely and putting that up so um you know like actually going out to some of the things that we've covered like when they're in our area and um and editor would be awesome because then we could you know get them to do all the footage and stuff um so yeah that's the next goal um i think Uh, it doesn't show on patreon it doesn't show the next targets it doesn't have the little thing anymore they took the bar away yeah yeah removed
0: it as a feature on patreon yeah
2: yeah yeah so we don't have the little bar telling you how much you need anymore but um which sucks but whatever yeah so we need about like 350 bucks more or so and we can start doing that and we did (laughs) say that if we got to that point that mule would cosplay a hacker and that we would organize (laughs) some kind of fun stream where we play like some um some tabletop role-playing games or something
0: like that probably worth me saying i've figured out most of the campaign for if we do that i I actually have the i actually have most of the one shot planned for for us to do the tabletop game but it can only be unlocked by going to patreon.com slash red underscore planet and giving us 350 more dollars it's the only (laughs) way
2: it's the only way it can happen you want to unlock the secrets of so sprain um you know that's this is how it happens and, um, yeah and mule apparently just like really dislikes or just like hasn't like just doesn't understand like kind of tabletop role-playing games and is like has some aversion to them so um so I think, five minutes like, in and he's fought. gonna be like
0: this is sick I know, yeah. I
2: feel like when he gets it, he's gonna he's
0: gonna be like,
2: I'm having so much fun. He's, <laughs> but, uh, you know, he's one gonna really...
0: roll the dice two times and he's gonna be like, This is the best fucking thing. Yeah,
2: yeah,
1: yeah,
2: yeah. <laughs> He'll roll and it'll either be a mule day and he'll just be like rolling ones, or it'll be like uh a, a real mule day and it'll be rolling twenties and be having a having a <laughs> laugh. Um, but yeah, so that's the that's the plan. Um yeah, so cool. uh well if if our um FL lovely planeteers want to find more from um from kira where can they uh where can they track her down
1: well you could find all my links in my link tree so it's link slash kira chats um twitter.com slash kira chats i'm kira chats on blue sky uh discord.gg slash kira chats twitch.tv slash kira chats which is the main one also my uh socials my uh not safe for work links which i cannot explain further um but if context clues if you got them you could probably figure out what they are um you can find those in my link tree so my link tree is kira chats all my shit's there but what if i want to you know get more sophie in my life how do i do that where do i go that's
0: understandable many such cases um link to slash sophie for mars would get you all of my links uh but patreon.com slash sophie for mars would be the kind of center of everything that i do uh, i've been working as i've been saying on this project about doomerism for like two years now and it's nearly finally fucking done i just put up the first third of the script onto patreon so three dollar plus patrons can read it now already i'll also be putting up a ton of content uh, for $2 plus patrons soon, uh, including interviews that I've done with Ian Danskin and FT signifier. And I should be doing some more interviews soon. Uh, basically I'm just like getting some clips from interviews to like, I'm I'm kind of asking a bunch of different people. What do you think the next hundred years on the planet is going to look like? And then I've got some clips from interviews. That I'm going to put into the main video, but I'm also uploading the full interviews will only be on Patreon. So if people want to see those, they can only get them on patreon.com slash from Mars. Um, also, you know, seeing that big project that I care a lot about and I've been working on for a long time when it's done, it'll be on there. How cool is that? Uh, but you know, what would be even cooler is finding out where to find more Tim. Well, uh, you can find me here on Twitch or on
2: YouTube, wherever you're watching uh, as Conquest of Dread, uh, which is where you can find the video that we were talking about earlier about Kittling. Um mm-hmm. And you can also find me over on Twitter and, and Blue Sky as uh Dread Conquest. Um yeah, which is more just like shit posting and having fun and having a laugh. Uh yeah. We like to have fun it. here, so we love we love to have fun. We're just <laughs> yeah. We love it. Um and oh and
1: um, our precious peanut. Yeah, we couldn't make it sad. here today. Oh, my mistake. Okay. No, that's was- okay. <laughs> cutting people off all day today yeah, yeah, we
2: just really both of us just really want to make sure that nobody yeah. forgets about dj mule, that's right who you can um who you can find uh as dj mule on pretty much everything um on twitch and linktree just dj mule um yeah on twitter everything dj mule you'll find him there um yeah he's got uh little video he came out a little while ago about berserk being a really queer, polyamorous love story lots of fun and um yeah he's on patreon and everything as well so you can jump over there throw some money directly at him and uh yeah that's i think that's everything i think that's all the meal stuff um so thanks for hanging out everyone uh, cool. it's been fun and uh yeah see you next
1: listening to this episode of Red Planet. If you enjoyed the show, leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts and tell all your comrades about it. You can find where to watch us live every Sunday at redplanetshow.com. Follow the show on Twitter and TikTok at red underscore planet underscore TV. And there's even more at our Patreon, patreon patreon.com slash red underscore planet. Our music is by Jasper Byrne. Red Planet is produced by Conrad Zimmerman in association with Mercenary Creative. See you next week.